Welcome to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast, episode 109. Greetings and welcome to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Don Cardenas, and, well, surprise, surprise, <laughs> another late podcast. I have excellent reason, though, because I'm busy making X. Uh, it is officially halfway through the year, and uh, if I flash back to my, you know, beginning of the year podcast where I kind of talk about, talked about all the things I wanted to get done this year and plans for and all that, and I just think about that and I just, I just cry a little bit. <laughs> um, it certainly has not gone the way I had hoped, uh, but not in a bad way. You know, comics have been really busy for me. Uh, Evie and the Helsings, like I keep mentioning, I'm so grateful it's done as well as it has. Uh, that we are, you know, trying to get the second issue going and getting that all ready for Kickstarter later this month, in fact. And I've jumped right back into more Spend the Night, and I'm kind of doing some more work on that than I expected to. Uh, we had someone who's supposed to come in and help out a little bit, but uh, through their own uh, unfortunate calamities that I do not envy. Uh, yeah, I just ended up having to take on a little bit more work from that, but things are rolling, things are going good. So that means music takes a backseat, doing some fun videos takes a backseat, and unfortunately the, the, the podcast gets, you know, third priority in my, uh, in my time. So, but, um, that is not to say that I'm not entirely grateful for my guests, uh, who I am really excited to have on today. Um, you know, you see who it is. On, on the uh, show artwork and all that. And if you can't tell, my brain's already quite fried. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's been a very, very busy six months. It's going to be another very busy six months. And it also being in the middle of, or beginning of summer break and the kids being home from school and just all my work schedule kind of being out of whack. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot to unpack there for me. But uh, maybe I'll get onto that next episode. Maybe I'll info dump all you there. But for now, that's what it is. Um, in terms of recommendations, uh, I won't have much to say other than go check out the brand new Sleep Token album, uh, Take Me to Eden. Fantastic. Um, super great sad boy metal. Um, and go check out The Rock Gods of Jackson, Tennessee from Rafer Roberts, Mike Norton, Alan Pasolacqua, and Crank. Um, I do believe that's coming from Dark Horse. And it is one of the best graphic novels I have ever read. Uh, granted, Mike is a buddy, but he's also just incredibly talented, and the story of this ragtag group of teenagers uh, trying to form a band for uh, a pretty special event, and just the kind of craziness that happens around that, it is like, it's like the best 80s coming-of-age music-based movie idea you could have, and then you throw in like attacking feral hogs and it's just mutant mute feral hogs on top of that and it's just awesome this is so good so good I'm, i'll talk about it more another time hopefully i'll have mike and rafer on to chat about the book but definitely go check that out i'll make sure there's links to those in the show notes below sorry for the abbreviated recommendations but it's 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 been a six months you know <laughs> all right enough yabbering uh let's let's get to the good stuff let's get to john mcguire all right, it is now time for my guest. From writing and publishing RPGs to 
playing bass to editing and putting out podcasts. Uh, my guest today is a renaissance man after my own heart. <laughs> I am super pleased to have him on the show today and talk about uh, the really cool uh, games he's written and done, all his uh, cool gear, and just all the cool, awesome stuff that he's involved in. But before we get to that, John McGuire, Comics Coffee Metal, what are you digging, I'm digging right, now? right now? So uh, I will tell you that when I wake up in the morning, first off, I'm happy I'm alive. But secondly, the thing that makes me feel good and alive <laughs> is coffee. Uh, I got a few different speeds that I go. Uh, my fiance Sally has been bringing in rootless coffee. So uh, I love their Danhausen mm -hmm. coffee. Uh, very nice, very evil. Uh, great flavor to it. A little lighter than normal kind of fare that I like. I like a darker, a little more of a bolder roast. Um, however, okay. when I can find it, I want. I don't know if it's a Whole Foods brand or if it's an Amazon brand, but uh, it's called Night Owl. And it is to me, one of the finest coffees ever to come out of a can that's been mass produced. I absolutely, absolutely love that. Um, my go-to is a uh, chock full of nuts, Midtown Manhattan. I just buy the big tubs of it because, you know, I work from home. So I have those <laughs> K cups. You could just fill with your own coffee, okay. you know, cause just yeah, two yeah. of us here. So like putting out a full pot seems a little superfluous sometimes, especially if you're only going to have like a cup or two in the morning before you get started. But, uh, you know, dude, I love coffee. I love coffee. I love diner coffee. And, you know, I've been noticing a trend. I don't know if you've seen this lately, but there's a lot of like diners and places you go are serving coffee in a metal mug. Uh, and I think that just doesn't feel right. And I think it no, flavor no, in a way where yeah. I just can't <laughs> get that, that real good hit off the coffee. No, it's, 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 yeah, I don't like coffee in metal containers. Um, having, you know, as I am, uh, you know, technically part-time work from home, full-time dad, part-time artist and podcaster and stuff, yeah. I'm at home. So, you know, but for many, many, many years, my wife and I had like an hour and a half commute each way to Chicago. And we would, you know, have our big old thermoses full of coffee. And, you know, while it was fine... Like once I stopped drinking it out of the metal thermos, I'm like, oh, I love this stuff so much more now. And it just took me a while to realize like just that metallic, you know, uh, container in there. It just does, it, like you said, it just, it just, it doesn't hit right when you're doing it that way. It's, I really prefer, you know, uh, just like a nice yeah. mug, you know, and, and it took me forever um, because, you know, <laughs> I was I was trying not to laugh um, when you you mentioned like you know it's just it's just you and Sally so you don't really normally you do like a full pot and for me and my wife it's like we need like a bigger pot because <laughs> we both just like uh, on average I think we're both about three cups a day but our cups are like those big fifteen yeah, ounce cups yeah you know I I used to be a yeah. three four cup a day guy but you know as I, I'm forty four as I've gotten older I've, I've realized that my limit mm -hmm. is like two cups of coffee. And if I want to be sneaky, I'll get a decaf or like a half calf in the afternoon, which like, you know, say what you will about decaf. But I, I, I've kind of come to appreciate the half calf because it doesn't feel like I'm just drinking brown water anymore. You know, like, gotcha. you know, it's yeah, yeah, something. no, I fully I I've I've had a couple of decafs that were good. You know, like I don't necessarily drink coffee for right. the caffeine kick. Um. I just like verve it 
you know, I, I like the experience of it. I like the, the small ritual of it. Um, granted, I know there's caffeine in it. I know it helps, but there's also like other things that if I just wanted the caffeine rush that are, I could do a lot easier <laughs> than coffee or faster than oh, coffee yeah, or whatever. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like um, me, it's that first sip in the morning. The flavor, the feel, I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, every day I look at Sally's, God, you know what's great about waking up in the morning, babe? <laughs> the first cup of coffee, you know? And it's just... <laughs> You're right. The ritual of it all is something that, like, like I know my day is has started now, and it's it's time, and it's good, you know. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about iced coffee? Yeah. It, I am, you know, I, I, as a whole, it's fine. In the summer, in the afternoon, you've been out with the kids running around in the park. You've been working, doing some sort of house chore, or working in the backyard or something. Yeah, one hundred percent. I am all for it. Um, it really depends, though, because, you know, I'm not a drink the coffee black type of person. I like some I like a little bit of sugar, I like some cream. So it's really hard for us to find a good iced coffee that's consistent around here because we don't really have like any coffee shops or anything in our in our town. It's mainly Dunkin Donuts, Starbucks. And then like there's a couple small coffee places that opened up, but they're not really convenient for us to just like pop in there and and get into with the kids and all that so we're kind of at the mercy of those two places and i don't like starbucks don't like coffee, coffee period i i just i just don't like the coffee chai lattes oh, yeah. that's my jam i'm i'm the basic basic ass guy for that an iced chai latte i just had that this afternoon actually cool i'm cool with that but um dunkin donuts coffee like you know that was the first coffee i fell in love with but i don't know how it is around the rest of the country but for us you can go to a dunkin donuts and ask for cream and sugar and go to one, you know, the next one down the road, and you get two completely different experiences. Wildly different experiences. <laughs> but see, you know, for me, I love iced coffee. And so we got a, a pot that you could just put the grinds in, you can let them soak overnight and make your own iced coffee. Mm -hmm. And I tend to find that's been kind of the best experience because, you know, you get the real coffee flavor that you want out of your favorite kind of grinds. You know, whereas like the first Duncan, the first iced coffee i ever had was from dunkin donuts but now like i take so much as a sip of dunkin donuts i've got instant heartburn and i i can't explain why but mm. um and also like as as the years have gone on their coffee tastes less and less like coffee and i don't know if you've ever noticed that oh yeah it, it's it's been probably well over a decade since I had any of their coffee consistently um i'm, I'm trying to think but uh, you mentioned that, so you're, you're essentially doing like a cold brew yeah, type yeah. of thing, um, which, which you know, which yeah, my wife and I have definitely considered because, um, you know, she she definitely is more comfortable drinking you know her coffee with no added stuff on it, and the cold brew is supposed to have like it's supposed to mellow everything out a little bit, so it's not as acidic, yeah, which probably helps with the heartburn. Because you, you said you're four, I'm four years right behind you. Like I know my I know my time is limited with like how yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> How, how, how much I, uh, of certain things I can, it's already, it's already, uh, I already had to limit certain things, but it's, uh, it is definitely something we, I've been trying to look into, especially to, again, it's summer's hit. Um, it's just, it's nice to have a, a good, uh, a good alternative, consistent alternative to the coffee and all that. You mentioned you kind of like a, you like a slightly darker yeah. roast and all that. And I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge rootless nut. We get, uh, a five pound bag of their damn fine every couple months 
and that lasts us, you know, maybe about six weeks or so. And that allows for like an extra couple of weeks where I can go and I can try a new brand somewhere and, uh, you know, to maybe talk about it on the show or just, you know, revisit uh, something I have enjoyed that I've tried. Because, uh, you know, doing doing the show, I didn't really set out to do like coffee right. reviews or anything. I don't really don't review. It's more recommendations. Like I'm going to talk about something that's because I like it and I think you might like it. Um, I'm not going to like pick it apart, but. I've tried so many coffees now and it's like, there's a lot of really, really great coffees. And I do like kind of like a darker roast myself. Um, and the damn fine dark roast is really good. The dark. So I want to order uh, that blend. up then. That's, that's all I need to hear is that recommendation. That, and I will be ordering that up. That was definitely one of the best like dark roasts that I've, I've ever had. There's another company called black and bold. Um, and they have one called smooth operator. Ooh. Uh, S-M-O-O-V and their dark, that, that dark roast that's really good too um, and the thing about dark roast though is I drink again I drink coffee like all all throughout the day so like a dark roast I'm good for one cup maybe two and then I can call it quits but you know so doing the medium roast thing it's uh, something I can like you know I can have that third third cup or whatever and also my wife's less she's more on the like not necessarily lighter roast, but she likes more like a citrusy yeah. type of blend kind of things. And I'm, I'm not really into those, but I've I've come around on a few of them. But like the damn fine blend from Rootless, that's like that's where the middle where we met. We're like that's like yes, yeah. Rootless is a, a fantastic um, company. They, I mean, I think everything that they make across the board is good. Like I've never had a bad cup of Joe when it came from Rootless. Um, I want to say I'm trying trying to think of the name of it. Um, it's based out of Nork, actually. It's uh catfight coffee um it's ac slade he plays guitar on the uh, he plays guitar with everybody he plays guitar on the misfits and whatever and uh it's awesome uh anything that they make is also a really good you know a good roast good blend of flavors and uh, you know they're local so i think that's uh also a very important thing as well so yeah 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 there's a lo- there's a local um roastery near us uh probably probably an hour and a half away from me um, and they're called uh, Snowdrift Coffee, and they have like easily my second favorite like like daily drinking blend. Period. Um, and I haven't tried any of their dark roasts quite yet, but they have like they, oh man, they had a real they had a seasonal one that was uh, it was still like a medium roast, but it was like super chocolatey, so it was almost yeah. like a dark roast. It was it was just like oh man, this is this now is. Now, do you grind good. your own beans, or um, are you uh, you just buy them? Pre- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I would prefer to like, you know, have the time to like grind my beans every morning, maybe do it like a pour over, but I grind like three or four days worth of beans at a time. And then I just put it in the, uh, the drip maker and set a timer for the, right. for the next morning. Um, some mornings, yeah, some mornings I can do it, you know, fresh. Cause you know, there is a difference with the fresh ground beans and I even like, I've watched too many coffee YouTube things where there's a, I forget which one it was, um, which guy it was, but basically like if you have a drip coffee maker and you can, and you have that sneaker yeah. cup option, what he said to do is like, let it fill, like take, take the, t- take the carafe out, let it fill up, you know, mix it around, kind of basically make it like a French press situation. Like don't let it drip down until it gets really high. 
and then you put the thing in so it starts draining out but it, it, but that gives the grounds more times the slope yeah. evenly in yeah. the drip yeah. as opposed to like it just kind of instantly trying to come down and um i've made quite a few messes doing that forgetting yeah. i took the thing out of the the carafe and then it's like all of a sudden it's just all over my counter and i'm like oh so damn it my dad um, uh has a percolator uh that he's had i mean okay he had it before i'm you know he's had it my entire life he's had it i think for years before i was born like it looks like a relic but it, you know when he makes coffee in it and like i you know i mean i don't live with my parents but like whenever i go over there and i'm having breakfast like christmas day when they're making breakfast like when i walk in the front door i could just the coffee hits you from the minute you turn the knob uh you hear the <laughs> sputtering of the percolator and uh, I will tell you, there is no stronger coffee on the planet. Like even the coffee companies like Death Wish or like, yeah, it's like double the caffeine or whatever it is. Uh, like, holy crap, like my dad's percolator. Like I will have like three sips and I will be awake till December mm -hmm. 27th. You know, like <laughs> it's awesome. Nice. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the interesting thing about uh even even people with you know if everyone who has like drip coffee makers and stuff like you never know what someone's ratio oh. is and that was that was something like was a lot of trial and error on my end because when i i didn't start drinking coffee until like 15 years ago so i was like in my mid-20s and i was like, usually like a tea guy or whatever but and so i'm like trying to like figure out how to make coffee and i'm like i don't know how many scoops to put in and like there's like so many differing opinions on the internet and all that and not I finally kind of have my ratio, but if I ever lose the specific spoons I use, yeah. I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I should really figure out what exactly. It's not quite a teaspoon or a tablespoon I'm, I'm, I'm putting in each scoop with. So I really need to figure that out. But um, do you have like a set ratio? Do you have like your own like you know, formula, I guess? Or is it just kind of like... When it comes to it? just putting it in those little K-cups, you know, you oh, know yeah, the, the reusable right. K-cups are great because like you, this is how much grinds you could fit in here and they're always like well only go like three quarters of the way up and then you know you mm -hmm. just you you take it from there you know but um yeah. you know when i use my buddy's coffee machine upstairs like whatever he tells me i always add in a couple extra scoops because you know i i, <laughs> I know yeah. that you know it, it always needs a little more a little more pep so you know, yeah, it's just yeah. it's just worth it to me to have that little extra flavor in there. Then and also that extra like, you know, the the vibe of it is just different when you have that little extra coffee going on in there. One hundred percent like because I always worry like like, do I make my coffee too weak? But I haven't had anyone complain and I definitely have tasted very weak coffee. So I'm like, OK, I don't think I, it's just. It's just a, a, a silly thing to be paranoid because if I like it, you like yeah, it, you like it, course. right? If, that, if that's what you're enjoying. But for me, I'm just like, um, you know, doing the show and all that with the title, you know, coffee being in the title, like a lot of guests, you know, instant that I don't know, instantly kind of assume that like I'm like a super snob about coffee when I'm like, no, I am like, do what you want, man. Like, enjoy what you like. I've had, I've had all types of coffee lovers on here and there's no yeah, judgment no, no, no. you know one of my one of my best buds he, he's he's the type of guy like you know hot black liquid yeah. sure cop you know gas station coffee sure you know it's, i don't care and, and it's like so true with gas station coffee it just hits differently um i was on tour god it was 2000 maybe and rolling in minnesota 
And I was like, oh, I need to get a cup of coffee. I was like, you guys have a Dunkin' Donuts around here? And the guy at the gas station was like, no, I got a coffee pot right there. And I was like, oh, wow, really? He goes, yeah, it's like <laughs> a quarter. I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, later on, I was talking to someone about it. And they said to me, like, you know, out here, like, Dunkin' Donuts is expensive. Like, you know, they tried putting one in maybe five years back and no one went there because gas station coffee that is freshly brewed like every hour is a quarter you know and there's a lot yeah. to be said about you know service industry coffee is also like a different thing like you talk about like what's your ratio like we would just get these bags when i was working in the service industry and you just rip the bag open you would dump it in there and that was the perfect amount of coffee you'd make a perfect pot mm -hmm. every time and just like so flavorful and present and consistent and that's the kind of thing like when you get a gas station coffee it's just like they rip up they don't they're not put they're not scooping they rip open a bag they dump it in and here's your quarter yeah yeah at my old uh day job that's the owner would get starbucks coffee like boxes in and that was that was the, the, the setup so you know that's when i'm like when i was trying to figure out how to make coffee because you know it was kind of a standing rule like if you if you take the last cup you make the next pot so i would like try to figure out exactly how much is in there when i'm trying to do it at home and all that and that's when i kind of realized like no i just don't like yeah. starbucks coffee <laughs> uh awesome awesome well you mentioned on tour uh uh being on tour and all that and uh i think that's a, a, a yeah, close right. enough segue uh to talk about some music man uh so are you a big metal guy is, is is that something that's uh, a concept for you? Or... However, like a little asterisk here, I'll be very transparent with you. My musical taste pretty much gave up the ghost in like 2003. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't, like I know new music. There's things that like come up that I like, you know. Um, but for the most part, you know, I, I, st I still listen to the same stuff I listened to when I was a kid. And, you know, I... And there's no judgment and no no shade being thrown here, but like, you know, I like singers who sing when it comes to metal. Like, I don't like the like I want to hear like a dude who sounds yeah, like he's yeah. pinching off one of his nuts to hit that high note, um, <laughs> singing and belting out the song. So yeah, I did. I I listen. I, you know, mm -hmm. I listen to metal all the time. And, you know, it's 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 in constant rotation. It's just you know, older metal. Mm -hmm. well you know for the longest time like it was very difficult for me to get like my the first metal band i got okay. into was metallica okay. you know that was you know road load reload era you know you know i was a you know a freshman in high school in 96 so like that's like the era there and you know i went back and i fell in love with the thrash era stuff and all this stuff and you know i am they they are you know my permanent number one I was, you know, I was hardcore to them for the longest time. Jason Newstead is why I started picking up bass to Amen, begin with. And, you know, so for the longest time, it was really hard for me to find other metal bands that I was into because I never really clocked with, I never really like jived with like the higher guys, like the Bruce Dickinsons or the Rob Halfords. And I never was really into the, um, more gravelly, shouty guys like, uh, you know, Tom Mariah from Slayer, or like even like Paul Bostaff, right? And all that, like, um, and uh, so it, it, for the longest time, it was so hard for me to like find. And then 
I kind of, you know, I really got into like the the new metal stuff, not necessarily like Limp Bizkit or anything like that, but like um, more of the uh, the like groovier Soulfly. stuff, you know. Yeah, like Soulfly, uh, and then like uh, I, I will say this to this day, like they are not a metal band. Uh, probably never were for very long, but when they first came out, like Godsmack was like it for me for a while. Like I was like, oh shit, like just like just a, a perfect hamburger of a, of, of of like oh, yeah. a band. Like it's not it, it's not super refined. It's not gonna like blow anybody's minds. But like when I just need like this, you know, something that's like pummeling but groovy, like that really hit for the first few albums there. And then kind of from there, I kind of like started like branching out. And I think for a good portion of the 2000s, I was probably more of a hard rock yeah. type of person. Um, you know, I was more into stuff like Shinedown or I was Breaking Benjamin, stuff like that. And because Metalcore started coming out and that was all the shouty guys and like just the screaming and the noise. And I couldn't really get into that. And then, yeah. So, so, so And then sometime around 2010, um, I started listening to Pandora and I'm like, Oh, you know, I like Evanescence and all that. Let me put an Evanescence type station on. And then I found like Nightwish and like symphonic metal. And like a lot of symphonic metal has these beautiful operatic, well-trained singers. And then you got the dude coming in with the guttural vocals on the choruses or big parts in here. And I just yeah. got kind of used to it. And then all and then all of a sudden, like I like bands like that. You know, you I did like Static X. You know, I I, I still think they're a pretty underrated oh, very underrated bands are, and that dude air man very Holy underrated crap yeah yeah i mean my favorite thing you know is like he screams but he screams in key i think that was the that was that, that, their that's, argument a good gambit if you could find it <laughs> yeah. um you know I, I definitely think it's it's yeah. an interesting thing because you know you talk about this the screaming and the chatting thing i mean well, i'll go back to god's micro but that was a band that definitely had it figured out until they didn't and you you definitely have yeah. that moment where like you know as they were coming up, as they first kind of made it, you're like, oh, wow, this, I think this is like the, the next step. And then it just wasn't. Um, Creamy Shouty thing mm -hmm. was funny because like, I, you know, I came up in the punk rock scene. So like, you know, by that point, like all the dudes in those indie rock and like, you know, emo bands, they were all doing the screaming, shouting thing. So it was kind of like pacing what was going yeah. on in the metal world. But it was, you know, almost kind of in reverse at the, the times that it came in. Like it was like, you know, screaming shouting during like the verse and then the big the big you know oh fly in the chorus but uh you know for me metallica was my first great metal love like you know i, I tell the story a lot i grew up you know in new jersey um i grew up on you know wnew uh, which is now q1043 which is you know classic rock that when i grew up listening to it you know they're playing some modern stuff at the time which was nirvana but classic rock was like Led Zeppelin, and now mm -hmm. their classic rock is Nirvana. So it's it just goes to show how yeah. <laughs> how how long it's been. But you know, I grew up with that CBS FM. So like, I grew up listening to like you know doo rock, doo wop, and fifties and sixties music. I grew up listening to like hard rock and like you know original heavy metal, which was like you know Black Sabbath. They play like some Black Sabbath tunes, but like yeah. I never really in the moment could wrap my head around that as metal because at the same time, like the Black Album dropped and. I yes. was like, this is like the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. And then I found out, you know, because I, I you know, one thing, the thing I've always loved is rock and roll. And I, I would always be reading Rolling Stone and different kind of music magazines, Rolling Stone spin, you know, in, in the, 
the mid to late nineties, I was reading all the UK magazines and all the rock rags that were coming out. So like, you know, I was always kind of like mm-hmm. learning about the bands and like, Oh, they have all the records. I'd go out and get their other records. And so I, I got the black album and then I went and got ride the lightning. Cause that was the, the, the other one that the store that was near me had, mm-hmm. cause you know, okay. back then you had a few different spots you could go. Like I could ride my bike to, you could ride your bike to the Sam Goody, which was overpriced. You didn't want to shop there. There was a, a small record shop in Nutley that was next to the comic book store I used to go to. Uh, and they always had like weird, cool indie stuff, but they also had like, you know, normal stuff. Um, and then there was Bradley's, uh, Bradley's, which I think is a cold, it became Coles, but you know, there was places I could go locally to buy music. And, uh, I got ride the lightning next. And I was like, Holy shit. Um, and then I had a buddy of mine, like, you know, because we had the black market of like tape trading and, and tape acting, like, you know, yeah, junior high, yeah, high yeah. school. So like uh, a buddy of mine, like he would like steal his brother's tapes and like, you know, dub them and then like sell them for like two bucks a piece in the lunchrooms and he can get you whatever you wanted. And then one day he got like mad at his brother. So he just started selling his brother's tapes off. So then I got a copy of like Injustice for All on cassette. And I was like, you know, it, it was still the same band sonically to me at that point. It was just a, a much more like polished product you know and you could definitely see the line that went through like ride the lightning master puppets and justice for all like the evolution of it but then like i finally got kill them all and that was it i was like fuck you know um (laughs) this is this is like metal this is like what metal should be and then from there i just you know i was you know being from new jersey like you're, you're kind of born with like a misfits tattoo if you shave your head there's the crimson ghost um you know, so I was like listening to stuff like the Misfits and Danzig, which is, you know, some of my truest yeah. loves when it comes to punk rock and, and metal. And, you know, I, I'm right there with you. Like, I, we, we are the generation that, like, you got in, like, you weren't in at the ground floor of Metallica, but you got in while the getting was good, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't I don't know what your opinion is of their later works. Um, I'm I'm fine with them. You know, I don't think even Saint Anger included. Like, I don't think there's a single album of theirs. I'm like, it sucks. Like, each have their place in my in my head, in my in my in my own personal musical journey. Um, and yeah, it, it, my my journey with Metallica is it, it's not entirely dissimilar to yours in that you know I started again. You, we have a four year age difference, so that makes total sense. You got the Black album, I got you know Load. Um, because I just remember, like, one day I just... I've heard Metallica before plenty of times. My neighbor across the street was blasting Metallica all the time. My brothers would have MTV on and they would be playing or whatever. But then one day I just... It was the Memory Remains video. That's a good one. And just that just that riff, you know. It's such a simple, bluesy riff, but I'm like, wait, I like that. And this was at a time where, like, my parents weren't, like, very wow. musical people. There wasn't really, like, a ton of music in my house. There wasn't, like oh, my dad listened to this, and my mom listened to this. And there wasn't a ton of that. And my brothers, you know, they were into, like, hip-hop stuff. So, like, the closest thing, like, I could jive with them on was, like, yeah. the Beastie Boys, you know? And from there, I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I tried to listen to all this stuff my brother was listening to, and it's like, I just, it's just not doing anything for me. And then, yeah, once that riff hit, I'm like, holy shit. And then, you know, I... You know, had a friend at, at at school, and I'm like, I'm like, and I knew he was like a metal fan and all that. I'm like, 
yeah what, what's that that sound like how do they make that sound with the guitar and he's like oh that's it's called distortion i'm like it's fucking cool <laughs> i'm like and that that just started the rabbit hole you know so i got yeah i got i got load and reload and i fell in love with those and then i started working backwards you know i started going black album justice and then for me though like my favorite metallic album if i had to gun the head of all time oh, yeah. is ride the lightning yeah. i feel like they hit like everyone's like master puppets i'm like great yeah i i you know object something you know, uh, sure pound for pound i'm sure you can you can make the argument but just ride for me lightning. though just for you, you got for whom yeah. the bell tolls you got the title tr- the title track you got fight fire with fire i'm like to me it just sounds like you know the the raw more aggressive version of Master yeah. no. and that's that's what that's what that's what really you know fight fire to me i like better than battery you know uh ride the lightning i just i think it's just one of such one of those underrated metallica songs and uh you know if uh you know i've i've you know when, when you run around with your buddies and your musician buddies and you're like oh man if you ever play a song with metallica live what would you play i'm like i'd have to play for whom the bell tolls like the simplest song to play it's like one of the first songs everyone anyone learns how to play if you play metal but it's like that's the one i need to play with them like just for me be whiplash you know uh, another excellent choice you got me um that 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 ties into when I was talking about like in the mid two thousands, like I really wasn't into metal, but two that's but that's also when I got into Motorhead. So and Black let Saturn. me tell you, you are you are you are just checking off a lot of boxes right now for me. You know, a couple things <laughs> I, I just want to say uh, when it comes to Motorhead, I do not know a single metalhead out there that when they hear the opening riff to the Ace of Spades don't get a little pep in their party parts you know like you know something's happening yeah it's it it's it's just one of those things like you got to do it It, you got to like just something you got to move some part of your body to prepare it's just whether 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 you're shifting your seat you get a little more bounce whatever whatever's happening you got to do it just like you know Um, uh when you hear the opening riff to crazy train or you hear you know the the drums starting like rain and blood like suddenly mm-hmm. you look down and your hand is yeah. now contorted to the sign of the devil like what happened like it's it's involuntary yeah. it's primal <laughs> and that's one of the things i love yeah. the most about metal is it's just like when it gets under your skin you're it, it's it's a rash that's never going to go away you know like uh you know the aha yeah. moment you're talking about and you're like he's like this is distortion you've seen pulp fiction i'm sure right so I call, yeah, you know, yeah. with music, I call that aha moment, Marcellus Wallace's briefcase. Like, you know, you're like, well, what's the big deal about this? I don't know. Then <laughs> nice. they open the briefcase and your eyes get big and you see the golden glow and you're like, I get it. Lemmy is God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I and I have to say this about Motorhead. Like, they have a million oh, yeah. albums out. And I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, man, they're all great. No, Motorhead is Motorhead. It's just like yeah. ACDC. Like they have so many albums out, everyone really knows like the five or six songs they're best known for. Um, but there are some really really good gems in there, and you know, the type of thing where it's just like, you know, I it's not for everybody, but there is it's all you know their their catalog's not for everybody, but they definitely have a song at least one 
at least you'll enjoy. You just have to find it. Like my favorite song of theirs is not even like Ace of Spades. It, it's uh, Death for Death Forever. That's my uh, favorite mine's song. No voices in the sky. Um, ah, nice. And it's just you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, but Ace of Spades. Yeah, you can't deny that song. It, it's just like you know, it's just like Whiplash. <laughs> you know, it's just like you hear for Whiplash, and then the with the drums, you're like. All right, I'm I I gotta go run through That's a wall it. or something now. Like I gotta do yeah. something, you know. Yeah, um, man, the funny thing about Motorhead though is like you know, I'm in. Listen, if you are into metal, you know this, but like you know, some some of your listeners may not really think of Lenny as anything but like the dude from Motorhead. But like you know, there were times you know when you know so Lenny be sitting there, he's like, oh, I guess I gotta go do something. He'd get off the friggin' bar stool at the rainbow. He'd walk down to a recording studio and go to Ozzy. Oh, here's mama, I'm coming home. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's one of the, my favorite things that people don't realize. Like he's written there he wrote licks for a lot of uh No More Tears, yeah. I think. A lot of songs yeah. on there, I think. He's and it's just like it just shows you like you don't this guy, he's a great songwriter. Like he's just, he, he knows who's more than just, you know, a gruff face with the warts and the, the Rickenbacker, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, God, I, <laughs> I love Lemmy so much. I, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, I, got, uh, I, I was at a, a car show and there's, you know, you know, people, you know, we go to like car shows, hard conventions and whatever. There's always people like selling like their mm-hmm. own, like bootleg, pictures of like rock stars or like oh here's a picture of like you know butch patrick as like any monster whatever so uh i got yeah. this one thing hanging on my wall and and i've had it in like every apartment that i've lived in and i got it at the car show and it's a picture of jesus but with lemmy's head on jesus uh and i was having a i had a i want to say it was on my 38th birthday i had a, like a big party at my apartment i mean i had like a 750 square foot apartment at this point i had like 45 50 people in this apartment my parents came down so my dad would have a couple beers with the boys and stuff um and as my mom is leaving she's giving her a hug she's walking out the door i had this i had the, the picture of uh lemmy jesus above the door you know blessing all the party goers as they went off into the <laughs> night my mom's like johnny i'm so proud of you and i'm like what she's like i'm so glad that you keep him in your heart and I was like, keep who in my heart? She's like, Jesus. I was like, what are you talking about? And then she goes and she gestures to let me Jesus over my door. And I open my mouth and I'm about to say something. My dad just shoots me a look and he just shakes his head. And I go, yeah, mom, you're right. Keep in my heart all the time. Let it go, boy. <laughs> my mom leaves and my buddy's like, did, did your mom think that? I was like, yeah. You know? That. That reminds me of uh, the, I, I'm assuming this is probably real in some aspects. The the pictures of um, uh, Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan and people think it's Jesus oh, yeah. photos. Oh, or paintings. 100%, you know, hundred <laughs> percent that is real. That people like no, but it's, it's it's clearly like clearly like a, a good picture of Jesus. And you're like, yeah, you know, I get it. You know, forty days in the desert. Either way, but you know, this one's got Jawas. <laughs> I don't think Jesus had a light sleeper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, awesome, awesome. Uh, so um, you mentioned that you you you're kind of like not necessarily set in your metal ways, but you 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 have your go tos. Uh, is, is is there any new newer bands that piqued your interest or kind of uh, crossed your way that you're like, okay, maybe you know, maybe these guys can not, join the group? Not metal. Uh, you know, it's it's so like 
you know, like I, I have friends who like, who play me like, Oh, check out this. Like it's like a new punk band or whatever, or new, like, you know, indie band mm-hmm. or something, you know, and nothing that's jumping off the top of my head. Like, um, newer stuff that I enjoy. Like I like Orville Peck, who's clearly not metal. Um, okay. but like, you know, on days, like when I'm working, I'll just put on Dio and I'll just, you know, or, or the yeah. other day I was, I listened to Sabbath and like, I have a very controversial take on this. I think we're like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I understand why, you know, at a certain point, Sharon Osbourne wouldn't let black Sabbath be black Sabbath without Ozzy. So they went under heaven and hell. And to me, like yeah. black Sabbath is Ozzy. And I think that heaven and hell is Dio. And even though like, you know, Dio did like, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Neon Knights and whatever in heaven and hell with a uh, black Sabbath, like, you know, it's those, they just feel like Dio. And if I, if I remember correctly, I think the, the drummer was gone too. I think it was just Geezer and Tommy um, and Vinnie Apice. Um, they just feel like two completely mm-hmm. different bands, but like, yeah, I'll just put on Dio and I'll just, I'll just sit there and I'll let, I'll start it like, you know, Holy Diver. I go through Last in Line. I'll go through uh, Dream Evil and call it a day. Or like I'll, I'll put on like Master Puppets or something. Or like I, I have like a, a mix on Apple Music that I made called Hammy Metal Parking Lot where like you've got, <laughs> uh, you know, a few tracks from like every like metal band that I love. Um, but you also have like the entirety of Appetite of Destruction on there because I think it's a perfect album from start to finish. You have like, multiple nice. tracks from iron maiden like you know if i if i'm gonna listen <laughs> the newest metal that i listen to is like the new iron maiden album so like the new metallica um which is just you know mm-hmm. much older dudes making the same kind of music i i just i i i, I want to yeah. say like the the last metal band that i got into that was you know quote unquote modern would have been like dragon force you know back when like Dragon Force is having okay. a cup of coffee in the big time. And, uh, you know. Yeah. That's about what, 07? Uh, about that. Think? Yeah. I want to say yeah, yeah. my introduction to them was, um, oh, God, what was the name of the album? It was not the the Guitar Hero track, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, was the whole, like, oh, my God, like, this they're most known for this one song yeah. that was in uh, guitar hero, which is like the hardest song to play in guitar hero. But uh, yeah, it was a uh, through the fire and through the fire and flames was the song that was like the guitar hero song. Mm-hmm. But um, that wasn't the one that got me. It had like uh, black fire on it. It's just, I, I'm, I'm blacking out on it right now. Um, but it's one of those things like, you know, I love the vocalist. I love Herman Lee and the guitar like antics that he was getting up to. Um, it was just like prog metal that, you know, a lot of my friends kind of went towards Dream Theater and I went towards Dragon Force, Valley of the Damned. Um, like two, three, maybe. So yeah, that was the last kind of new metal. Um, I got into it was 2003 when I stopped listening to new music. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have to address what you've mentioned about Black Sabbath and Dio, and you know, I 1000 percent agree yes. with you. Uh, a couple years back, I went because I was for me it was always Ozzy Sabbath. That's what I like, and you know, Dio was never 
even though he had those higher registers, he was never like in that group where I'm like, I can't really yeah. jive with this. His deal, of course, Rainbow in the Dark, you know, Holy Diver, like, you know, last in line, all jams. So I'm like, I need to give the, the Dio era Sabbath stuff a shot. And I did. And I liked a lot of it. It just never really felt like Black no. Sabbath to me. And then when that, when I finally got to that Heaven and Hell album, I'm like, one, this is the best album they've done together, yeah. period. And two, it is the most Black Sabbath-y, but it is also like, it just feels like the most cohesive album they've done together. I mean, there's great tracks on all of, all of the stuff they've done together, but um, the Heaven and Hell album, I'm like, man, I, I really wish, and I probably, I'm, I'm fairly certain that if Dio was still with us, they'd still be making Heaven and Hell oh, definitely. albums. No doubt. It, you could just you could just tell everyone there was just happy to be doing what they're doing and and making that making that record and not that I didn't like 13 when it came out or whatever from Black Sabbath and all that but yeah it was definitely like oh wow okay i you know i get it I, this is it and it definitely deserves its own thing you know and I, yeah, so that's, I, I'm definitely with you. Like, if if they wanted to like re-release all the Dio Sabbath stuff as a Heaven and Hell branded thing, which yeah, I don't know why they would do that, it's a stupid idea. But if they ever did, I'd be like, yeah, yeah it makes sense. I'd, you know, I'd be I mean, that. like Sabbath was a very groove heavy band, and by the time it got to like Neon Knights and got to Heaven and Hell, like, like it it took them like they were firing on all cylinders from the second I feel like they got Dio in the band. Like the, you could tell it's a band that's been reinvigorated. It's been a band that like, you know, thought they were done and now they're back and they're, they're, they're putting it all in there. But like, you know, uh, Vinnie peace was an amazing drummer. Like if you're working a new drummer, you're working a new singer, you know, um, mm-hmm. by heaven and hell, they found their sea legs and they got their bearings and like, and you start to get the, get the groove back that you know sabbath is like known for get that that like dark like you know kind of ethereal vibe that like sabbath like is is kind of known for and and it just started feeling really good and then like dio went off and did his his thing he took Vinny and he bounced and got vivian campbell which like as much as i enjoy later dio albums like i i just think that it, the vivian campbell albums that dio did were the best um the best dio like in that was the, the, the best lineup of Dio, um, you know, period. It, it, it's, it's hard to argue against that. I mean, Vivian Campbell's is one of those, like, everyone mentions all the other guitar gods of the 80s, but then everyone's like, oh, Vivian Campbell. Like, oh, court. like, you know, how do you not, like, it's just one of those things where it's just like, he, Vivian was amazing. And, you know, um, I hope he got his money from Def Leppard. I'm sure he did. <laughs> when he joined. I I hope he got his good payday for that. Yeah, not to diss stuff, but they're you know let them do their thing. I, I, um, but, and up until yeah, up was, until um like pyromania, um and I'm sorry, hysteria. Like they were kind of a different band. And then like once you started getting into pyromania, once you got to hysteria, mm-hmm. like I I think they, you know, they were a really good opening for a lot of bands to cross over. And I think they're they're really solely responsible for that, like really kind of breaking a lot of bands that might not have gotten to that arena rock level into arena rock because of, you know, their singles and because of the, the songs like 
mm-hmm. you know, more women would go to the show. Yeah, yeah. You know, ba- bands like Def Leppard, yeah, they definitely don't get enough kudos for just bringing that little bit extra edge to the popular side of music or whatever they're doing to like just kind of like and welcome people over to maybe trying something else. I think Bon Jovi is one of those bands too, where it's like, um, you, people like, oh, you know, they're you know the pretty boys or whatever the pop the poppy singles, but like they also had some pretty good riffs in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, you know, hearing some of the stuff, and it's like, okay, okay, you know, as as I get as I've gotten older, I've I'm more prone to like giving like strange. Uh, this is not news to anyone who regularly listens to the show but like my musical tastes are like pretty much everything or i'll give i'll give yeah. pretty much anything a shot too you know like i'm i'm perfectly fine uh you know jamming to like synth wave or you know uh now that it, now that my wife's put it on our apple account lizzo yeah. but then i'm also cool like jamming to some like symphonic deathcore <laughs> You know, I'm I'm cool with all of it. It all has its place. I'm 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 I've I've kind of like broken that uh that that seal of like there's no guilty pleasures for me anymore. It's just like if I dig it, I dig it. I don't care what it is. I don't care yeah. if it's um something uh so like bands like Def Leppard where I might have been like whatever, man. It's like like no, man. Pour some sugar comes on. I'm driving my car. And I like open up the windows, turn it up a little bit. That you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. do it like it uh. Uh, lean into it enjoy it so but it, it, it's caused me to like really look at some of these bands um and, and like even like twisted sister and stuff like that like you look at especially and as you mentioned def leppard some of the earlier stuff is like no these were like heavy oh, yeah. rock bands like they they were they were not like you know they were definitely you know especially def leppard i think they were pretty close to like van halen in terms of like their attitude and like just the the rock and rollness of, of them, they just kind of made that shift um, with everything, and you know, good for them because I'm sure they're, they're it's still paying off for them financially. But, but yeah, for sure, um, I'm, I've, I've been trying to rack my brain, thinking like, what's a band now that I could tell John about that maybe? He Yo, if he ca- whenever it comes to you, just shoot yeah. me a message. I will immediately get on that and listen to that. Unless there's no no diss it, to it, any any band that came after 2003. It just I. Yeah. I, oh no yeah it, not, yeah it, it, it's definitely yeah, not that it's, vibe at all it's definitely it's not, not that like, vibe at all i i didn't i just didn't try i just kind of was like ah you know like i like what i like and i just kind of like you know I, that's, that's what i want to hear mm-hmm. right now you know and i just kind of kind of fell into mm-hmm. that trap and i've been there ever since yeah it especially since like you know you you mentioned your you know the the more guttural, guttural harsh vocals don't really connect with you and i'm like oh man that's so much yeah. of what i listen to. <laughs> or at least at least it's parts of so so much that i listen to now um there's a band i really uh, love called spirit box and it's a female fronted band and she does the go she does awesome clean you know normal clean singing but she also does some really guttural vocals and it's such like a weird not weird it, it it's such like an interesting yeah. dynamic yeah. between it all and the most recent releases are almost like if garbage got really okay. heavy and like i'm i'm trying to like emphasize that with, with with some people who like are kind of like into that alternative rock era i'm like listen there's there's a song called sew me up and a song called rotoscope 
uh, it's an, I think the EP is Rotoscope. And it's got that synthy kind of just almost kind of a jam kind of feel, the nice clean vocals, almost whispered kind of stuff. And then just some big fat guitars come in. And then when the time is right, she just goes for it with the vocals. And um, I've said this before, like for some reason, when uh, the guttural vocals or the screaming harsh vocals are done by a woman, it connects yeah. with me a bit more. And I think it's just in my head, it feels like, yeah, you kind of have a like a way more like uh, justification for being angry at every. All right, yeah, <laughs> I just put on my Apple Music. Anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like it's like you definitely like it feels more purposeful. And a lot of the guys who like do the guttural vocals and stuff, it's it just feels like just you're doing the voice. You know, I'm not I'm not feeling like, uh, yeah. And there's some obviously there's always exceptions to the rule. Um, there's a band. Uh, Distant, I just mentioned. Uh, I didn't mention, but there's Symphonic Deathcore or whatever, and they have that like super low, like inhuman sound yeah. to the vocals. And uh, another band called Orbit Culture, which is like, have you ever listened oh, yeah. to Gojira? Mm -hmm. uh, they uh, Orbit Culture is kind of like if they're like the angry teenage son of Metallica okay. and Gojira. All right, that's interesting. And they are definitely one of the more, I think, one of the metal bands, I think, that's kind of kind of be like, I don't think there's ever going to be a metal band as big as Metallica. The world is just not set up for that. Um, but they're definitely one of those, I feel like it's going to be like one of those mainstays if they can maintain the, the, the track they're going. Um, but because his, his, his like snarl and like cleaner vocals, they are very much early era Metallica, like kind of like pre-Black Album james kind of like you know kind of unpolished a little bit more you know attitude making up for ability but then like the the harsh vocals come in but they have such like they have like the gujira type groove with all the riffs and stuff like that and yeah um but that's like a band like i like to recommend the people who like metallica you know it's like it, it it's got the hard vocals but it goes down, <laughs> I think, when the music around it isn't also pummeling you with harshness. Yeah, you, you actually just said something you very know? interesting that, like, you know, you don't think there's going to be another Metallica. I definitely think that for rock and metal, um, we've seen the last of the true arena rock bands. Like, I, I think that it's a just the way that media is consumed now. I think, like, you know, you'll still see people like Taylor Swift and Pop Axe that'll be selling out, like, stadiums, but... Um, I don't think anything that's come out uh, or will be coming out in the future is going to be sustainable as a as a, an arena rock band. Like you're you're going to look at all legacy acts that are still doing the arenas, but you know I just music just doesn't work like that anymore. Um, in that that like oh this is a band that's going to be so big it's going to sell out an arena. Like it's people just consume things in a different manner now. So I, I think that's a it's a very good yeah. point. There's never going to be another Metallica. Yeah. If uh, my overwatching of YouTube videos about this kind of stuff is accurate, like touring now for bands is just ridiculously oh, yeah. expensive. And you don't have the album sales to like kind of justify that. Like, and there, I, you know, you, you, you probably know far more intimately than I do, but I'm, I feel like, you know, probably the earlier 2010s, mid 2010s, 
merch sales and touring and stuff, that kind of became the bigger moneymaker than album sales probably for a long time actually but like that was kind of like the focus of people like selling the merch and doing the stuff that's why you saw like this explosion of bands endorsing things and doing things like it felt like for a while every band had a had a coffee blend <laughs> every band had a, a a a liquor every band had like you know their their thing which was fine um but that's how they made their money to to, to make the music and now it feels like you can't make money you can't make it through streaming and you can't make it through touring. And so it's like these, you know, full on bands who don't a huge, uh, deep well of cash behind them. Like, what are they going to do? You know, it, it becomes incredibly hard for these bands. I've, I can count at least a dozen bands that I liked that were smaller bands. And then, you know, a couple months after I've discovered them, they're like, we have to hang it up. We yeah. can't afford to do no, this. Anymore. I mean, it's interesting yeah. because, you know, being the age that we are, and I've often said this, like, we've watched the world advance, like, in a way that it's not unsustainable, but it's, the, by the time you get footing with something, something new comes along. Like, you know, like, when our parents were young, mm -hmm. you know, now they had, like, the color TV, and that was, like, the big deal. And then, like... A bunch of years later, well, now you have like a Betamax and then like a VCR and that, you know, and yeah. you had vinyl albums, you had cassettes, um, eight um, tracks went the way of the, the Buffalo, but, you know, you had cassettes and you had, you know, vinyl albums. And that was holding the line for a great portion of time throughout the, the 80s when you had like, mm -hmm. I don't know, um, holdovers from the 70s things that are kind of new and somewhat modern in the 80s but still all the technology was like well if you want a vcr it's about half the size of what your tv is you know it wasn't you know and things were expensive and things were not made that so everyone could afford it and have accessibility to it um and then cds happened and as cds became a a medium that was being taken seriously the first thing to go is vinyl. And now you just have cassettes and CDs. Like people are still putting out vinyl, but it's it's no longer like, well, you have vinyl and you have cassettes. It's like, well, no, people want CDs now. And now we've made ways for people to put them in their car. And that was it. Like once you can put something in your car, it's all over but the mm -hmm. shouting. And then from there, like, you know, at the same time you have like, oh, well, you know, you had Pong and you had an Atari and that was it. And then like suddenly it's like you have a Sega Master System and a Nintendo. And that held the line for a while. Then suddenly it's like, well, no, now you have Genesis and you have Nintendo 64 and then you have this, that, and the other thing. And then the next thing you know, the technology jumps immediately to like Sega CD and Saturn and disc-based games. You know, the internet starts to happen. And all this is happening over the course of like 10 years where you would have a solid decade of a medium or multiple decades of a medium leading up to this point, And now the medium changes, like, you know, all laser discs, uh, trying to get out of VHS, went to laser discs. Now we went to DVDs. Like, mm -hmm. you, you couldn't keep up with it to the point where like, well, you know, well, now we have these boxes in our pockets that are like supercomputers and you could download music, you watch TV on them, like streaming, like in the last like 30 years, we've advanced as like a society with technology in a way that I, I don't think the world was really fully ready for. Like m my generation is probably the last 
that will remember a time before the internet, you know? And back during that time period, people were, you'd still have to go out and buy physical media. You'd still have to go out and buy records and buy CDs. And then once they priced CDs out of most people's pockets, bringing them up to like 18, 19 bucks, then Napster happened. And that was it. It was, you know, you can't put Pandora yeah. back in the box. So it used to be if you were, you'd have to go, you'd have to make an album, you'd have to sell that album, you'd have to make towns and like do these tours and build a following grassroots style. And then it got to a point where it was a little more like, all right, um, CDs aren't selling that much. It's okay, though. Uh, we can still put out a video. We can still, you know, get it on MTV. We go, we're going to make money on merch and we're going to make you know, our guarantee, which will cover the operations, you know, we'll start recouping the album and try to start making more sales. And then it came to a point where it's like, well, no one's buying like physical music and like no one's paying for music. So we're going to make money on merchandise, but now the venues are taking a bigger cut. So we're still making money on merch. The guarantee is going to cover the day-to-day -day operations. And then it hit a point where it was like, well, the venues want a bigger cut the guarantees are getting lower gas prices are getting higher and it's just more and more moving away from what the model was traditionally for decades you know so yeah it's it's hard to be a bit yeah i mean you've you've put it out there in great detail it's just like how how, how you know technology makes it amazing that so many people can like make music and put it out there who have may have been prevented from just due to the logistics of actually recording and putting something out. And the flip side of that is so many more people are putting out music who normally wouldn't be putting out music. So even the, the field you're playing in is so yeah. much larger, infinitely larger than it was 10, 15 years ago. And, you know, this, this kind of um, resurgence of vinyl and cassettes that people are really into. And uh, I've seen people start to try to bring back like VHS and, and like DVDs and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it, it, it just brings to mind to me, like what you were saying, like we, we were a part of that generation where, you know, we were so accustomed to having a few years, a good handful of years of a thing being the thing. And now it's like, by the time you're like, okay, this is the thing. It's like, oh no, now it's this thing. Because I distinctly remember this with the the whole MP3 situation. Like, I was there with, you know, my brother was a, is you know a big computer guy. So when the first CD oh, burners yeah. came out, he was like he was like all you know his he you know his his the job he's working at they had them, and you know they were like what was it I think it was like a two times burner so it was like twice as fast as the whatever you're burning onto it in terms of audio link. So that was like I spent hours over there like on a weekend burning CDs, making mix CDs, and all these things. And then, like, eventually, like, oh, MP3s. And it's like, you know, I still remember getting my first, uh, like, 12-song uh, uh, MP3 yeah. player. <laughs> you, can have 12 song, you can have 12 songs. It doesn't skip when you run. God, yeah. Um, and then, like, just going through those and, like, finding out you know, how to get MP3s. And then by the time it's finally like, oh, okay, I get the idea that you get the MP3s, put them on the, you know, I never had an iPod. I always had like the like whatever Zune. creative yeah. send. Yeah. I didn't get a Zune. I almost did. Um, was it? I'd won a Zune, I think, yeah. at my old job. But I did. My computer wasn't 
uh, updated enough to actually use it. Um, I couldn't like I didn't have the right operating the right uh, level of Windows to use it or something like that. Um, but it was just like you get used to that format, and then by the time you get used to that, everyone's like, "Oh, now there's this thing called Pandora and Spotify," and like, okay, um, and then just so on and so forth. And it's just like I think this call back to like owning physical media, you know. Before I would say like, yeah, it's all about the ritual. You want to like make the decision to like put on an album. If you're gonna put an album on a vinyl record player, like you're not gonna skip oh, songs. No. You're not yeah. gonna you're gonna put it on. It's gonna stay on. And you know, to me, I'm like that's a great ritual. It's a great thing. Like that's kind of the thing we're all kind of missing. Even with cassette tapes, like you can't like just skip to the next song. You gotta fast forward. Dangerous or game. Whatever. You always overshoot. You know. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, you know, kids these days will never get the joy of having a, a, a Walkman that the batteries are slowly dying. So you hear all these songs you love and you're playing, but they're playing like, you know, 15%, 25% slower. Uh, yeah. And it's just a whole yeah. different vibe and experience. The first time that happened, like one of the first times I ha that happened that I tried to simply remember is like, I was listening to like load or reload and just like the riffs were like super slow and heavy. I'm like, what the hell happened? And I'm like, oh, my batteries are dying. Did I find the secret slow. track? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of those things like, and then it's kind of like, you kind of yeah. like miss that almost. But um, I think it also, but I, I think thinking about it now, I think it's more about just a thing having yeah. a consequence. No. I mean, you know there is a major call to physical media like to owning physical media again because you know we came up when like you'd have like a, a cd shelf that was like an actual shelf that held, held yeah. all your cds or like you had like the bible of like 300 cds in a folder in your card if you wanted to listen to something while you were driving like you know people are like oh don't text and drive it's like well uh, forget texting and driving, try to find like that one <laughs> CD so you can hear the one song that's like 14, 15 pages yeah. <laughs> back. And like you dubbed all these CDs. So like, you don't even have like the album art on it. So you're like, you're playing, you're guessing, you know, <clears throat> but I think, like, you know, there's a, yeah. An importance of physical media now more than ever, because we've gotten too used to being able to just dial up whatever we want on a whim you know, whether you have a streaming service that does it or not. Uh, and you have a lot of streaming services trying to cut costs and save money now where, you know, before, like when Netflix first started being like the big streaming service, it was like, well, we just have everything and we just leave it all on here. Then you have like Hulu pop and they have HBO Max and all these services are pulling off their content for multiple reasons. One, like not enough people are watching it to warrant having it being held on a server because that server is costing them money to have like this one random episode of night court um the other thing is to try to like not have to pay residuals by having it available at all times for people to stream and like download and watch so you know with stuff getting like taken away uh stuff getting tied up in murky rights because that's the way the deals were made in hollywood back in the day like you know you need to have the physical copy of it. So if you want to see it again, it just doesn't disappear into the ether, you know? Yeah, 100%. And uh, it's, yeah, the streaming thing, like, I think we all yeah. saw it coming, but we're also, you know, kind of hoping like, maybe not, maybe they won't do it. Like, no, they did it. And we just canceled like two or three yeah. of them. 
the other day because I'm like, we don't, I, I, I don't, this, this is done. And, you know, it started off with like, we just, you just have Netflix and then, yeah, it, it escalates. Just, like, it blooms. I mean, you know, you, you, you have a podcast, so you know, like to host my podcast, I have to pay like 20 something dollars a month to host a, like a, a podcast that runs like 15 minutes. You know, how much is it costing like Netflix to hold a season of Supernatural, much less 15 of them? Like, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nuts. Um, but yeah, buy your, get your physical media, buy it, whatever. I mean, even like, I, yeah, my, my wife, she like does not trust right. digital media at all. So whenever it's like, you know, oh, like I, case in point, Super yep. Mario Brothers movie. And that's, that's coming out, that, that's available for purchase digitally right now. And, you know, my, my daughter loved it. Um, so I'm like, oh, maybe we should just buy yeah. it to have, you know, cause I did that with like uh, a couple cheaper, uh, older animated movies, uh, just to have it available or whatever, whenever she wants to watch it. And my wife's like, I, I she's like, I just can't, she's like, I just can't bring myself to pay. $25 for something that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I, I like, I get it. I get it. Um, you know, she's like, it's like $8, $5, whatever. Fine. You know, that's a cup of coffee <laughs> or drink from Starbucks or something that you can kind of justify if it goes away or whatever. But like, it's just, it's just a, a little bit too far for her. And I kind of have to agree. And I, I normally wouldn't, I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. But like these days now I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you know, one day Apple's like, oh, you know, all the stuff you bought yeah. is going to go away. <laughs> You're not going to have it anymore. You know, I still remember the DRM stuff from Apple, like, back back in that day. Like, if you bought something from Apple, you couldn't play it exactly. on a non-Apple device. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's just, it's just kind of nuts. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's hard out there, <laughs> especially if you're just trying to uh be creative in general yeah, in all fields that, uh, um, and speaking of unless you could physically see it on your shelf you're only renting it yeah exactly and on the topic of you know uh difficult uh to succeed creative fields comics <laughs> uh I, you know i definitely want to get to, uh, we've been talking for quite a bit and i've been loving every minute of it but uh, and I want to get to your uh, RPG work, but uh, comics. What kind of comics have you been uh, doing? So, lately? I read a lot of Vault comic because Sally draws a lot of comics. Okay. She's been drawing mm -hmm. uh, uh, Door to Door, Night by Night um, for Vault, and she did Human Remains. And, you know, like she brings home like a bunch of different comics from like different creators and different companies. Like, I used to have a pull box for years at a place called comic explosion in nutley but when he decided to fold up shop i was like i don't need a to have a pull box anymore because it, it hit a point where like i would voraciously read comics and then i kind of just slowed down with it and nothing was really grabbing mm -hmm. me and then like you know the big two kept rebooting everything and like i'd have these storylines i've been following for years yeah. that are just suddenly gone but um i've been really enjoying barbara um Sally brought home this book. It was uh, with luchadors. It was uh, um, do a powerbomb. Yeah, do a powerbomb. Okay. Which Daniel I, Warren Johnson. I absolutely, yeah. absolutely loved so much. Um, and I thought that was cool. Uh, R.L. Stein 
uh, was doing like a horror comic. And I was, I was really enjoying that for a little bit. Um, you know, occasionally like, I'll, I'll go into a comic book store and I'll just pull something off the shelf and be like, I'm going to read this now. Um, I think that, uh, the indies are where it's at, man. The indies are, you, you're getting like a lot cooler, a lot more passionate, like least a lot more passionately told stories in the indies. than you know, even I saw it growing up, you know, because even when you yeah. had indie comics, you know, when I was younger, you're, you're still kind of like doing a knockoff of the big two, you know, Marvel and DC, then like, you know, image yeah, work, yeah. but, uh, for a while, I was reading Invincible. I, I think I have to read the last trade still. I, I got to pick that up now that I think about it. I have the last two hardcovers to read. I have them. I've had them for almost a year now. I just can't bring myself it's, to read it because exactly it's done. That's exactly what I over. have in the last trade. And I'm like, and I have to because I really want to know. And thankfully, I haven't been spoiled yeah. by the ending somehow. And I'm just like, oh, I have to I have to finish these. Same thing with... um. Uh, I don't think it's ended, but uh, oh, Paper yeah. Girls. I have to, I have to, I have to finish those because I just have all those sitting there and all that. Yeah, I have, and, I have um, them too. And I, I've been no, like I, sitting I, on it, and like I watched that first season, and well, the only season that they did on Amazon. I was like, all right, now I'm going to read the comic, yeah. and then they canceled the show, and I'm like, oh, I get this eventually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a bummer because I was getting, I was getting ready. I, I hate to to say this because it feels like it it probably is in some way disrespectful to the people who worked on the show, but it feels like by the time I get to, I was going to get ready to watch it. I heard it was already canceled and I'm like, I guess I'm, yeah. I'm going to watch no, it it's... now. Like it feels, it, it feels like, cause if I end up loving the show, I'm just going to be so pissed off. That it's yeah, canceled. yeah. I don't think it's disrespectful you know? to the people who make the show. I think it's disrespectful of Amazon. to be like, well, we need to allocate True. all this money to this Lord of the Rings show. So like Miss Maisel needs to go home early. Paper girls is not going to get renewed. Um, other things that like yeah. you might really enjoy, uh, aren't going to get a shot to, you know, you can get off the ground. Mm -hmm. you know, we have to spend mm -hmm. all our money on this fantasy show, which is. Expensive. Yeah. They, 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 they had to pump <laughs> all that money into some mid ass oh, Lord God. of the Rings, which I, I wanted to love. It. You know, I wanted to, and you know, you know, my wife, my wife enjoyed it uh, much more than I did. But I literally fell asleep yeah. in every episode. Like I was just like, man, and that's not really saying much though, because you know, I I sit down, and if I'm if I'm if I get comfortable in five minutes after I sit yeah, down, yeah. I fall asleep. But um, it was definitely like I just could not, like, anytime they had something interesting going, it was just yeah. And my favorite part about the show was then the next day going to some uh, a couple Lord of the Rings YouTube people and just hearing them complain the whole time. And it wasn't like, oh, the dwarves are black. Oh, woke. No, it wasn't any nonsense like that. It was just a good old-fashioned nerd rant because the things it weren't like the good, book. You know? Like, like the, the story wasn't like the book, you know? The, not because of who's portraying the characters in terms of their race or, or sex or whatever, just because like just the, the good old nerd shit you would argue about just because it wasn't exactly yeah. the same. And, and also like uh, for a book like the Lord of the and, Rings, there is a lot to pick apart. You know, yeah. I've never, I've never, truth yeah. be told, dirty yeah. secret. I've never read the Lord of the Rings. I was at opening night for every one of those movies, but I never read the books because I, you know, as mm -hmm. much as I am a voracious reader and I, I, I can speed read like, 
it was just so obtuse to me. I just, I was like, ah, maybe, maybe they'll make it a movie one day. And they did. And, uh, dude, I, I still get chills <laughs> thinking about the, the Lord of the Rings and the two towers. Hell man. Well, I used to be a traveling salesman. I used to, to, uh, travel the country selling, uh, Vitamix blenders. And when I tell you that any hotel you would check into from like 2012 to like, I don't know, say 2017, um, you were guaranteed if you turned the TV on to see one of three movies, Shawshank Redemption, The Two yes, Towers, yes, yes, yes. or Talladega Nights. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, as much as I, I grew up and still so passionately love Star Wars to this day, I don't think that there is any movie that I've seen more um, in pieces than Talladega Nights, The Shawshank Redemption, The Two Towers. To the point where uh, I used to go to a gym called Retro Fitness. I don't even know if they're around anymore. But their thing was they'd have a, a cardio room where they would just put a movie on all day and you would just watch. So like, first time I saw The Fast and the Furious was at Retro Fitness. Um, you know, I, I went in one day and it was like The Two Towers that had just started. And I was like, all right, I'll watch this for a little bit. And I'm on, the, I'm on the treadmill and I'm going and I'm walking and I'm walking. And I'm walking, they're walking. I'm walking, they're walking. And the next thing you know, I'm on the treadmill for an hour first... and I don't even, I don't even realize it because I'm walking, they're walking. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been on here for an hour. I got to go. Yeah. And I get off and my legs are just wobbling. I almost fell on the floor. <laughs> um, complete non sequitur, but it kind of related like, uh, so you mentioned the first time you saw Fast and Furious was, was, you know, at the stand gym. The first time I ever learned what a furry was, <laughs> was I was at, I was, we, we used to have a, a, a really nice re renovated YMCA by us. And I went there one morning and uh, it was when I was, you know, in the middle of like doing a, you know, one or two half marathons every year or so. And I had to do my long run on that treadmill because it was raining or something. And they had, you know, TV shows playing. It was like one of those NCIS oh type shows. And it was like I wasn't really paying attention to it, and all of a sudden I saw people like in the costumes. I'm like, "What is this?" And 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 they're talking about. And all of a sudden it's like the, I see it has the captions on, and they're talking about like yiffing and shit like that. And I'm like, "What? What is this?" <laughs> and it was, it and it was so distracting that again an hour passed <laughs> that the whole episode played out, and then I'm like, "Oh shit!" I, I'm I'm like on, you know, I just been running for an hour, and I, I was so distracted by this entirely new subculture i did not know i wish i did not know exist i just saw a meme the other day and it was it was something that had me in stitches it said like inside you there are two wolves this furry went really well <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> yes i saw that you i don't know if you shared that oh no. I, 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 know, I never i never even know what i share anymore i, I send so I, much I, stuff to sally like you know have you seen this TikTok? Oh man, yeah, it 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 it's it's rough, but um, you know, uh, I think also our generation, like it, we had a moment with those oh, Lord of the Rings films, like when the special edition yeah. DVDs came out, and you had like the hours upon hours. Like my wife and I spent just so much of our twenties watching those DVDs and watching those extras, and just like enjoying the hell out of that. And that's also something you don't get anymore with streaming. You don't get the Oh, you know, put in this disc and then you get all the extras. Sure, they have like behind the scenes like shows you can go. It's, it's just it's, it's so weird, man. Anyway, I, I was a... watching, I was on the TikTok the other day and they were showing a clip. It was like Josh Gad, uh, Pip Mary, 
um, Frodo and Sam were there and they were like talking about the Lord of the Rings. It was like a, a Zoom thing to talk about the Lord of the Rings. And uh, he mentioned something and then they all go right into like this like one like little speech thing. And then like out of nowhere, another screen pops up and it's Ian McKellen and he says his part. And they all like put their hands over their hearts and their eyes get big. And I was like, me too, man. Me too. Like, fucking, I love those movies. Oh, nice, nice. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, to, to swing it back around the comics, I have one hundred percent with you. Independent comics are what hold my yeah. interest these days. Um, part part of it is just because I make independent comics. Part of it's because I know so many people who make them, and they make you know I have really talented friends That's who make comics. You know, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's. And also again, doing this podcast, I'm exposed to so many more new creators and their books and things like that. And it just, it's just more endearing to me. Also, I think it's because at this point, I'm more interested in stories yeah, that have too. an ending. Oh God. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm all for like, you love Spider-Man, you love all that stuff and you want to keep reading it. Fine. I just kind of hit my limit with that. You know, I'm done. If I look back at all my favorite stories from even those types of books, it was all ones that yeah. kind of had an ending, you know? And so that's just where I'm, I'm drawn to now. So I totally get it. I am 100% with you. And, you know, uh, you know, Sally's book, human remains last, oh, last amazing, year, that was one of my yeah. favorite books of last year, you know, it was, and I'm so behind on so many comics, but, you know, I, I also feel incredibly lucky to like have this plethora of just, amazing stuff that i know i'm just gonna enjoy when i get to it and having, you know, those, right, so, having things with uh, yeah, a definitive I, ending is is a, a, a truly rewarding experience you know like like you, you feel like you've 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 reached the end and you you can take it and you can reflect on it and you can just you know read it again at your leisure and kind of see things in a different way but like when it just goes on for like a thousand issues you're like i, I don't even know where i started you know what happens yeah yeah and and i think that's one of the things that i liked about invincible because i may be wrong i may be misremembering this but i kind of remember kirkman mentioning that invincible has an ending like it's he's planning on it he doesn't know when it's going to be but there's an ending so like that's what kind of like also invincible is one of those books that i first got back into when i was starting to get back into comics um you know i uh uh had a long break in between comics and you know my brother uh was like you know they have comics online now i'm like oh they do oh. he was talking about pirated comics they i didn't did realize that. what he was talking about but he's like yeah and, and then like the next time i saw him he gave me a cd of like all these comics <laughs> on there and i think it was like 2008 or whatever and my wife and i were going on our honeymoon so we brought her laptop on, on the plane and i just popped the cd and i was just reading all this stuff I blew through like walk, you know, so much walking dead and invincible. And then I'm like, Oh wow, it's cool. And then I realized like, Oh wait, like this is, I feel a little bad because I love comics. I wasn't making yeah. comics at that point, but I was like, I feel bad about this. And then I, once I saw like the invincible, like the books I loved were like in hardcovers. I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Let's get this. So, you know, I feel better about that situation. Cause I went and bought the book afterwards, but, yeah, Invincible was just one of those ones. Like I, you know, I even love the the, the show on Amazon. You know, I can't wait for oh, the second too. season to come out. Um, 
but you know and it, it feels weird to kind of mention it but yeah it is an yeah. independent comic <laughs> invincible is you know granted you know the creator is a multimillionaire now and <laughs> and all that but you know that's what happened to the original Invincible. i will tell is, you, you know? that huh. the sole reason you and i are talking today right that's the sole reason i you know i got back into like comics and and the things that led me to the path of Monse, like outside of rock and roll was uh grant morrison's run on the justice league justice league 10 rock of ages I, it was like the mm -hmm. first part of the storyline i was at my buddy ian's house and uh it was just on the table it had just come out and i was like oh what's this and he's like oh it's justice league i was like you know why is it why is superman blue like i it was weird and uh and i opened <laughs> it up and he was like doing something talking to his mom and i, I read through it and i was like oh, that's really good and the next thing i know uh I blacked out and I was back in a pole box again and and all of that like led me here and I, I ran into not to be a name dropper but I ran to Grant Morrison at a buddy's wedding like several years later and I was like just so happy to be able to tell them that that story changed my life and I mean look it might not even be the best story that they ever did but like you know the fact that like I, I turned my head and it was on the table that one day um you know the stuff that they wrote you know then then i was like well, what's the doom patrol like you know because i i mean i knew the doom patrol mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. like being like a young comics fan like but like grant morrison's doom patrol was something special you know animal man like you know it, it just <laughs> it, it put me back on the path to to not wanting to be apart from comics and not wanting to be apart from like the medium the things that i loved like that like I, I don't know that you know had i found that comic i ever would have gotten back into it and i don't know that something like a marvel movie would have gotten me back to the comic book store the way that issue 10 of that justice league comic did you know because it's clearly not happening for a lot of people who see all these marvel movies they're not getting pull boxes they're not like buying comics but you know yeah freaking grant morrison Um, I feel like a broken record says, but like me too. Um, not necessarily Jelly though. Um, yeah, we three. Uh, we three is what like cemented me back into buying comics. Um, it was a collected edition. I think this was around. Oh, it was in the mid two thousands. Because even though I wasn't uh, uh, buying comics regularly until probably two thousand nine ish. Um, I definitely was buying graphic novels here and there, and We Three is kind of like the one that I just randomly was recommended to by a, my wife's uh, ex coworker at her old job. He like uh, mentioned it to me at a like a group at a work thing or whatever, and I and it's funny I even like looked it up because I couldn't just I couldn't stand yeah. this guy, but he's mentioned like oh We Three. Uh, it's, it's really good and whatever. Um, I'm like, okay, cool. And I looked it up and I'm like, this looks interesting. And then I read it. And I'm like, oh shit, this is this is what yeah. comics can be, because you know I was of the '90s. You know, granted, you know, there's tons of great comics in the '90s, but I was definitely in the wave of the image stuff and the, you know, not so great spinoffs, million spinoffs, spinoffs of things. And well, I think Age of Apocalypse is one of like the yeah. best X Men stories ever. You know. I have so many other comics that are not the best yeah. X-Men story ever. Um, so yeah, we three, Grant Morrison, 
their work on that and, and Frank Whiteley's work as well, obviously, it just cemented me like, okay, I can love comics again. I can do this again. I can start, you know, and then from there it went to, I think, yeah. Astonishing oh, X-Men. That was great. That was good. Um, yeah. um, the, you know, the, uh, what, what was after that? Um, there's a few, th- um, what was it? Mark Millar's Enemy of the State with Wolverine. Um, that was a really good series. Mark Millar, he's, I mean, yeah. he is, <laughs> he has, he has his, uh, his detract, he has his, his uh his good moments, bad moments. The Ultimates, I think, at the time, I was like, "Wow, this is amazing." And I look back at it now, I'm like, "Wow, yeah. this is pretty cringe." Lord, right? Um, but 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 I can also recognize like the you know taking apart a lot of the cringe stuff. There's a lot of things that were really good in there. I think that were uh, beneficial to the comics as a whole. But yeah, so it's just getting back into it and all that but yeah this current renaissance of independent comics is just amazing i think and while i wish the industry was more favorable to creators uh being able to sustain uh, livings and things like that you know i'm also glad that you know there's so many avenues for people to get their work out there like kickstarter like small smaller bigger publishers like vault and um uh invader comics and, and uh you know to some extent bad idea even though i don't understand your business model at all yeah. <laughs> but i know a few people who do books for them so i'm like okay cool you know <laughs> if you're if you're happy and they're treating you well you're getting paid get it and you know get any, do what you gotta man. do get that money um get yeah if, if you're if, if you don't if you're yeah if you're creatively happy and you're getting money and you're paid and you're and you're you're feeling great then you won i'm happy for you uh so yeah it, it it's 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 a really uh interesting time in comics but um yeah <laughs> uh all right then i think uh at hour 26 into our conversation um would be fine time to bring up yeah, your but... own work and that is uh writing and publishing rpgs now uh you know, in the beginning, I mentioned like you know all the stuff you do. You know, you're kind of a man after my own heart. Now I say that, but I also say that now with like I don't play RPGs. I don't really have uh, the I guess the my wife. We only have yeah. the group able to kind of do these things or whatever, and all that. But they are, I I respect them so much because I know there's so much passion and love putting these things, and you went and you shared uh, a couple of the guides for uh, Children of Uma and the Devil in New Jersey with me. And I was reading through these things and I'm feeling like, I'm kind of feeling like a kid again when I would like get, when I would buy stuff like this or like magazines or like game guides just to look at the art and kind of see and kind of like get glimpses of the story and things you can do and all that stuff. And it's just like, it's that, it's that experience of like, I don't fully understand this, but it intrigues me and I, and, and it looks cool. And all these like things, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of detail that goes into like, you know, what this does and what this does and, you know, how this reflects, you know, uh, further actions down the line. It's just Thank you, amazing man. to me. Um, is that, 
is, is that is doing rpgs is that kind of something you were always kind of into or is that just something you've uh you know is that something you've always kind of been into played uh toyed with uh throughout your life or is that something that you've kind of uh you know we're falling into so more recent years. i started playing uh dungeon dragons when i was 25 and uh, i've always wanted to write but you know it's always that thing that you want to do and like you know while i, I would write songs write lyrics and stuff like that and, and write music the actual thought of like writing a book was very daunting to me um and i, I tried and failed multiple times and then i hit a point where i was like I don't want to write a novel. Like writing a novel seems like a lot of work and you know, all <laughs> writing is work, but I was like, I just, yeah. I don't know what I want to do, but um, I got really heavily into RPGs. I mean, I'm the, the producer and the co-host of the vintage RPG podcast every Monday where podcasts are found. And like, you know, I, I'm very, very much entrenched in the world of RPGs and I've been running games for people for decades. I've been like, you know, trying out different systems and playing things and like, you know, I still wanted to, to write. And so finally, like the pandemic, you know, forced our, a lot of people's hands for a lot of things. And I started writing, I started, I started working on the first adventure I, I wrote called Point Nemo, um, which eventually became Escape from Point Nemo. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that I, I just started and I just kept making myself do it and making myself do it and making myself do it. And, you know, I, I started having fun with it. I started like, being able to express all these crazy ideas that I had, you know, because there's no one there to stop me. There's no one there to be like, well, you can't do that. Um, you know, I came mm -hmm. up with the action, the basic framework of the, the action uh, engine, which is the, the system, the RPG system, because when I was running games for a lot of people during the first several months of the pandemic, I had, you know, cause I, I wanted to do something that could help people when we were all scared and we're all in a, in bad spots but also like you can't leave the house like so uh, i had a discord and i just put out an open thing be like hey listen if, if you need something to do you need to just lose yourself for a little bit just come i'll, I'll run D D for you i'll run whatever ran cthulhu ran a bunch of the games and so i had a lot of people who i've known through my life who were like i've always wanted to try D D, and you know some of them never did it again but for that brief period of time you know people were playing games and the the one thing that I noticed was that RPGs are daunting for a lot of people. The rule sets are like daunting for a lot of people. The barrier to entry comes from like looking at a book mm -hmm. that's the size of a college textbook being like, I don't, I don't want to learn this. Like, so, you know, I started working on action and I was going to run it off a D hundred system, but uh, Gio Calazzo, who's my best friend in the world. He's my partner in three to one action. Uh, we co-write everything together. We, are always working on this together. We've been collaborators for like the last 20 years on different shit. Um, he's like, well, dude, if you really want to make it simple, drop to zero. So it became a D10 system. And for those who might not be familiar, uh, polyhedral D&D dice usually come seven dice for a set. Uh, one of them is a 10-sided die, where the main dice you roll is a 20-sided die for D&D. So the whole system runs off of one single dice, and you add... A bonus or subtract a penalty. You know, you add you you add or subtract your bonus or penalties to your dice roll, and you try to roll at or below a stat. And then when you wanna do damage, you try to roll above whatever your damage modifier is. But the gist of it is cinematic storytelling. I'll set you up. You tell me what you want to do. If you want to climb up to a stack of crates and drop a Macho Man elbow, you can. If you want to like 
swing from a jungle vine, you can. If you want to like jump off the top of Nakatomi Plaza like John McClane, you can. I might make you roll for it to see if you don't die, but <laughs> you know, so we started we started doing these things. So George came on once I proved to myself that I could write, that I was gonna do it and I was gonna stick with it. Cause I don't want to bring him in until like I I knew it wasn't gonna be a thing that was gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna do this. I'm so passionate about this. And then I just petered out. Um and we started writing stories together. We started like, you know, I'd have an idea and I'd run it to him and we'd be like, all right, we're going to make that book or he'll come to me. And like, he is so smart and very clever. And I, I, I approach him like, you know, what I imagine or like the way he comes to me sometimes with these ideas, I kind of imagine like what it was like to like work in like an office and Dino De Laurentiis comes in and it's like, let me tell you about Flash Gordon. And then like, an idea that's like so crazy it just might work or you don't think it's going to work and then the next thing you know you write a mini golf rpg but uh you know one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted storytelling to be a major component of it. and i just actually give a buddy of mine a book today and i was like listen if you don't play this that's okay if you read the book you'll see that like everything has like a, a reason why it is like if you find the knife like this knife belonged to like an old hesher and he like you know got it confiscated you had to steal out of the principal's drawer or whatever but you know if you look in our look in our books and if you're not going to play the books if you go to where the story the adventure starts and you just read the gray boxes you get the whole story you'll have a very enjoyable story that you've gotten to read and you've gotten to like be like oh man that's cool like you you, you understand it it's even more enjoyable though when you play it because you're actually playing in that world um so it's it's been been a great experience for me man i've been I've been loving it. You know, I've been writing more than I ever thought I would. And I, I've been having a blast. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's, it's interesting to hear you say, you know, it kind of started with the pandemic because I feel like that's like a lot of origin stories now with getting back and doing something creative and uh, really diving into these things that, you know, either we didn't know we could do or we always kind of wanted to do. Um, for me, you know, I I was always, you know, for the past decade, I've been, you know, trying to make comics here and there and all that. And then it wasn't really until the pandemic hit. And I'm like, okay, let me stop trying to spin my own wheels or make my own things just me. Let me do short stories with other people. Because all these other people were like, oh, I'm going to write some short stories. So I'm like, hey, I'll be your artist for yeah. really cheap, you know? Uh, let's 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 do this you know so uh and i feel like um that was kind of like my you know the second half of my comics origin story for myself is is, is the pandemic being like i have to you know do something not that i wasn't busy enough with two kids but it's like to like now is the time i have to dig in <laughs> and i really have to get stuff yeah. done. I mean, it, it hit a point where like when you when you really boil it down and you think about what was going on during that time, it's like the air is poison. You could literally have someone breathe on you and you might die or like, you know, you might touch a doorknob yeah. the wrong way. And then like it's game over, man. So, you know, I know a lot of people who are like, well, what's the point of living if I don't if I don't live? Like, what's what's the point if like I don't 
just at least try to follow my dream because it's like, what else am I going to do? Like, you know, there was a guitar shortage uh, after a, uh, maybe like the first year and a half of the pandemic because everyone was like, well, I guess now's the time, you know, like, w- what are we going to do? Like, yeah. if you want to get a new, like Les Paul, it's going to take a minute, but, um, but I don't think there's any better feeling than creating and being able to, to put out content no. and seeing like a finished product. Like I know for you, like, once you get Evie and the Helsings back, right, you're going to be like, shit, I did this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, holding that first, like, I've held comic, you know, issues of my comics in my hands before. But for some reason, Evie and the Helsings just felt like, well, one, maybe mostly because I think, one, I was finally working with my buddy Steve, who, you know, back when I wasn't even making comics yet, uh, or, you know, wanting to seriously make comics was one of the first creators I ever yeah. met. And like got to speaking to and talking to. And we finally got this thing we did together because we had just another project that I was kind of spearheading that he was going to help me out with that kind of I had to put on the back burner that I hope to bring back another day. But anyway, it just felt like it hit different. And, and also because it was a Kickstarter and we had a lot of success with it, more than we ever expected. Um, so it was just like this thing where it's like, oh, shit, like, this is so much more real right now. Um, you know, I'm I'm re- trying to wrap up the inks on the second issue now, and uh, I I have to tidy up some lyrics to get to the vocalists to do the original song uh, thing that we hit. But like, none of that happens. None of none of the the you know getting to Evie and doing all that happened without like having to like buckle down and say like, okay, well, this is the time. Yeah you know, to, to, to get started and to get going. And I feel like that's true just for so many of us. And it's really awesome to see, you know, even though acknowledged the horrible <laughs> of the, of the setting, it's still awesome to see everyone who's like, yeah. I got to start making stuff, you know? And uh, it's funny you brought up the guitar shortage because I kind of feel like, I have physical proof that uh, buying guitars was kind of my my pandemic uh, coping mechanism. I mean, at first it was a fire (laughs) sale because people didn't have any money, so they sold off all their gear for cheap. And then, like, people were like, oh, wait a second, now I can sell this. Now people, like, are... you can't get like these pedals. You can't get these guitars. And now it's like, oh, now there's a, now yeah. people are flipping stuff. It was a, a whole weird economy that happened. Um, but dude, like, you know, you've done Kickstarters. I've done Kickstarters. Uh, how good does it feel for you that you could hire people to do jobs because people have invested in you through Kickstarter? Like, I, it is the best. Right? Like, it is. I, I am so happy to have like, you know, you know, full disclosure here. I have not oh, seen one fine. cent from Evie. Oh, um, not not that not that we haven't built it in. Not that I'm not expecting yeah. some sort of yeah. uh, money for for all the work, but you know, Steve and I are both very adamant in making sure every last thing is handled before we're like, okay, yeah. now we get money. You know, now we get like you know, behind the scenes, like I misjudged how much this, the, oh, the yeah. singer was going to cost. Cause I'm hiring them off of Fiverr or whatever. And I was looking at the, the tiers they have and I, I misread the tiers. So I'm like, Oh, it's actually like double. And Steve's like, well, you know, 
what do i'm like i just take it on my part he's like no it's fine we'll do it whatever from you know the, the our total kitty or whatever but it's one of those things where it's like but you know i know our colors yeah. got paid you know and you know steve did the lettering and and a lot of and and all the fulfillment and all that but you know i'll be happy when he can like <laughs> you know take his yeah. portion of the money too but yeah but just the fact that you know our colors jason got paid and that was uh you know, because we, we, we did the book and all that. And I'm really looking forward. I'm, I'm hoping we can continue to have some sort of success because when it comes time for the trade, um, I don't want to put the yeah. cart before the horse, but Steve and I are both going to be writing some short, like two, three page, like epilogues for some of the characters. And I want to hire my friends yeah. to, to draw them, you know? And, and it, it's like, I can't wait to do that. Like, you know, when, whenever like someone's like, oh, what would you do if you had like a, if you won the lotto? I'm like, of course, you know, I'd make sure my family is set. But then I would hire all my friends to, to draw the comics. Yeah. I don't have time to draw. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, it's, it's, it's got to be a great feeling. And you, you're running, you know, the whole publishing thing. So you're paying multiple artists and all these things. I'm sure that it kind of feels, it has to feel great, I would think, because, you know, you're, you're uh rewarding people for their for we're not rewarding people you're giving people wages for their work and you know it's just a good feeling you know it's it's one of those things where it's just like you don't really understand it until you've done it i think uh and it's not to say like people don't want to like pay people but it's like when you've actually paid people fairly for their work it's like oh, oh no yeah. this feels I mean, pretty good <laughs> this feels really it's crazy like you know we have since we, since I, you know, it started July 7th of 2020, um, did a rule book, did four pamphlet event, four pamphlet solo adventures, did three full length book size adventures. Uh, we've done uh, two zines, all these of all, all stuff that's come out or about to get dropped to like the backers. And then we have another one that just dropped another zine that just dropped uh another zine that's hot on its heels in layout right now then we have another one that we're in the process of writing and we're about to go back and kickstart another one we are so lucky that people are buying our stuff and that people are like supporting us because in turn you know every time i bring an artist on or a layout person or like an editor or like a, a sensitivity reader or like, you know, whatever, like mm -hmm. they're helping me and George reach our dreams. Right. But for me, it's even more rewarding that like, I get to like hit that PayPal button and someone who has looked at me and says, yeah, man, I just really <laughs> wish someone would pay me to draw monsters. And I'm like, yo, hold my cup of coffee. Here's money. Draw me a monster. Like, you know, children of Uma alone, yeah. <laughs> we had 11 artists a layout person an editor a sensitivity reader person who did logo work for us like that we we just handed out money just just you know making it rain mm -hmm. uh we have not with all the releases that i said we've made george and i have not made a single dime off of three two one action you know, like we're not, we're not paying ourselves for like the word count. Like we're, you know, like how many ever sense of word, like we're putting all of that 
to making sure that we have like a top quality book made by people who are very happily drawing cool monsters and like maps and like you know other weird shit like nothing makes me nothing makes me happier than paying people and getting that book in my hand and being like all right cool now we get to like hire more people to draw weird shit awesome well and well i hope eventually oh God, please, you guys can <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, it's it's certainly not uh, that you don't deserve it at all, but I completely understand where you're coming from with that. And uh, you know, even like paying flatters, that's that that's I'm like I'm like, who do I really pay to do stuff? Because I do yeah. so much of the stuff on my own. But like flatters, like once once I found a flatter that was, uh, you know, someone I could you know have a good uh, rapport with, I'm like, all right, you're, you know. It's it's so much it's so much easier and rewarding to just pay this person whatever uh, the rate is to just do the thing that I yeah. absolutely despise doing, and they for me um, and this is very specific, but my flatter is like in the Philippines, uh, so you know I'll email him and I'm like, hey, can you flat this? Uh, you know, no no rush, whatever. And he's like, oh yeah, sure sure, I'll I'll, I'll get to it. And then I'll go to bed. I'll wake up, and it's done because <laughs> the time the time yeah. difference or whatever. And I'm like, this is such a great relationship here. Um, and it, it's it's one of those things where like I even started like giving him above his rate when I can. Not not that he's asking for that or whatever, just because I'm like, here I have like five extra bucks I can yeah. kick to you because you know you, well, you deserve it first of all because flatting is such a thankless job. Um. And second, like, just, yeah, I don't know, it feels good. It feels, it feels, it, back to what you said, it just feels good to pay people what, what they're, you know, what they're worth, or at least something for their creative output and, and doing what they love to do. Because, you know, I am, I am the person, like, I love drawing monsters, but if you pay me to draw a monster, oh boy, you bet you're getting yeah. my whole ass into that one. Like, you know, you, you, you there's a different, there's a different level of firing ups firing up for that like i'm thankful and 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 lucky enough that you know i don't have to use my art i don't have to rely yeah. on my art income yeah. for my family you know i have other things i do and my wife is a boss you know is the boss but um well not a, she's uh she she's uh a great <laughs> uh, yeah. a great successful woman and so we do okay, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, ha having, having that, it also, but having that income come in from whatever art I do do, and I can then like kind of like spread it around to people who I know are using their art income <laughs> as, yeah. as their main source of income. It's like, this feels great. You know, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it just feels like I'm. What what is it they said about you know independent comic starters? It's it's just it like twenty bucks yeah. going around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're all giving each other each other to say twenty bucks, which is but you know what? Hey, we're all we're all thriving. We're all we're all succeeding uh, on some level. So you know, uh, it's a fantastic community to be a part of, and um, it's great to hear you know, you know, from from people like you. We're like, yes, let's pay people. Let's get people paid. Let's do this thing, um, and all that. So. Yeah, it's it, it's awesome. So, you mentioned like you have another Kickstarter coming up, and this would probably be a good time for me to mention that 
I wanted to have you on the okay. show for a while, um, probably since yeah. I spoke to Sally. <laughs> uh, and she's like, you should have him on the show. He's great. And I'm like, I should. And then it felt like whenever I was like getting ready to do a round of scheduling, I'm like, oh, you know what? I should, I should contact John. And then it would literally be like a couple of days later because that's just my brain's shit. And then I'm like, and then I would see you would if I already yeah. launched a Kickstarter. So then I wouldn't have you on to like, well, after that's done. So I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Well, I'll have to get them in between next time. I'll have to remember. And then it just repeat that cycle like five or six times to when I was finally like, hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just want to come on <laughs> whenever. Um, so uh, this was, this was in my head, this, this, this was a long time coming. I'm, I'm glad to be but, here. Uh, and I'm going to let you take the time to talk to uh, me next. This is a freaking killer conversation. I'm 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 having a blast. I'm not even feeling how tired I yeah. should be right now. <laughs> and you you're and you're an hour yeah, ahead yeah. of me, so like you're you're probably uh, uh running on uh running on the last of the coffee fumes going yeah. on. But uh yeah, I I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, but did, is there anything about the new Kickstarter you can talk about now? This episode will be dropping a week. So yeah, tomorrow. we uh so well, yeah, when I mean like, new Kickstarter, we're gonna be doing one uh, end of July. Uh, we're going to be doing, um, you know, we, we've okay. done action movies, we've done horror, we've done weird western, we've done like a mini golf adventure, a holiday adventure, um, Mad Max style. We're going to do fantasy. Uh, the next, the next Kickstarter is going to be fantasy. Ooh, yeah, three to one nice. magic, um, which would be like our awesome. fantasy imprint uh, for what we do. And uh, yeah, we're like, you know, we while we finish up the Sunset Limited, which is the uh, the vampire western we did. Um, and the other two books are finishing up their layouts. Uh, yeah, we're going to start working on fantasy. Uh, so July should be a fantasy Kickstarter, end of July. And then in October, uh, we're going to do another horror. We're going to do another horror Kickstarter. And then, uh, yeah. If nice, you want to check nice. it out, you could uh, go to 321actiongames.com. Uh, there's links to everything we do. If you're looking for physical books, uh, you can go to Exalted Funeral. You'll find a link there. And when you buy a physical book from Exalted Funeral, you also get the PDF because we firmly believe if you buy a physical piece of media, you should also have the digital stuff with it as well for no extra cost. If you're just a PDF kind of person, uh, check, you know, Drive Through RPG has all of our books that are available um, that um, have been released. Um, you can get them there. You know, PDFs are inexpensive. It's a party. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I'll make sure to yeah, like when that when that happens, I'll make sure to bring it up on the show, point people in that direction. Now, uh, feel free to say no if you want to, you know, uh, call it call it a night, get some rest. Um, but if you're if you're down to chat at least a little bit longer, I would like to talk to you about yeah, some man. gear. We talk you if you're down for gear. that, yeah. All right. So you are a bass player. Um, I've seen some clips of you playing with a, a country style band, just jamming it up. Um, what 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 are you running? What's what's your uh? Are, are, and also, do you play just bass, or do you also play guitar or a little bit? So uh, I I play guitar around the house. Um, I have like a, a little okay. parlor uh, acoustic guitar that I play around the house when I when I want to play music. But uh, yeah, you know what? I I started playing bass when I was sixteen because every guitar every band already had like two guitar players. So like. And if you wanted mm -hmm. to join a band, you didn't really have too much choice if you weren't a drummer. 
like you know drummers would always like oh you need to you want to you want to play in the band yeah cool uh we need a drummer no i don't there can't be a drummer i'm a guitar player well my best friend's already the lead guitar player so we don't need another guitar player we don't want three guitar players so the only move i had was to play bass so uh years later i found out that uh my buddy who sold me his brother's bass like his brother really didn't intend on selling it but you know that's either here or there but uh first bass i had was an ibanez um really it was already beat to hell been toured with uh, an ibanez bass i got a a tnt uh giant pv like bass amp it was a 115 solid state and uh i got it in Lyndhurst, uh, I, I went to school in a town called North Arlington, uh, where my buddy lived, who I, we play in, in his garage. Uh, and Lyndhurst was like a town and a half away. And we bought it in Lyndhurst, the bass amp. And because it was on casters, we rolled it all the way for like, it, we probably rolled it like two miles down a main <laughs> street to his place. We could have band practice. But yeah, you know, I started playing bass and I, I would sit in on guitar here and there with some people. But you know, if you wanted to be in a band, you had to play drums or the bass. So I just, I stuck to the bass and, um, I've always been a Fender guy. I still am a Fender guy. I have a, uh, a Fender P bass, um, Mexican Fender P bass that I got in 1999, which is now legitimately a vintage bass. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's been beat to hell and like, you know, new pickups, that you know, I put in the 2000s, mm-hmm. uh, badass two bridge on it because the the bridge that it came with was garbage. The pickup that it came with was like garbage, but the body was solid. Um, you know, uh, yeah. the Telecaster is my favorite electric guitar, so I always wanted a Telecaster mm-hmm. bass, but I didn't like the GNL necks because I wanted a Telecaster bass that had the single cutaway. Yeah. I wanted it to look like an actual Telecaster. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so 2012, mm-hmm. Squire made a limited edition actual Telecaster shape base. Um, they had like several different variations on it. So I got one, it's white. My my P base is black, Telecaster base is white. And it's got the single cutaway, how to put a new bridge on it, how to put a new pickup in it. And, uh, but it play, it, you know, it plays great. Uh, it's, a, it's a solid base, it's a heavy, heavy sounding base. Um, had a three-way toggle, which I just didn't understand because it only has one pickup, but, um, when I put the new pickup in, I had my buddy like just get rid of the toggle option. He's like, but I'm going to leave the toggle on because it looks cool. And I was like, that's fine, man. I just, I don't want it to actually do anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then like I, I have problems with my back and I've got a weird issue with my fretting hand that like they, the doctors couldn't just figure out. And it was, it was really hard for me to play music for a while. So I needed to make some changes and I needed to do something different. And uh, I started doing research on different like styles of basses, and I, I came across the Mustang Fender bass, short scale neck, mm-hmm. thinner neck. Um, it's more guitar size than it is bass, and I was like, this might actually work. It's a few yeah. pounds lighter than a, a standard P bass, and uh, holy crap, mm-hmm. it's it's friggin' bright orange like a pumpkin, and suddenly like I, I can play a club gig now and i don't feel like my hand is is gonna just break after i play like you know i'll, I'll use the full size if i'm going to record but actually i'll probably even use this to record i i am able to play the bass again in a comfortable manner and that makes me so happy to be able to play i had to pull the pickups out those standard pickups just weren't cutting i put in these uh 
going back to Sabbath, uh, EMG makes a Geezer Butler uh, P&J set. So I, I dropped those in there, which gives yep. a little bit of a beefier, heavier tone. Uh, to which nice. I can't really hear it because my, my ears are shot from years of playing music. But uh, if you turn it all the way up, uh, it'll actually kind of like distort a little bit naturally. Uh, very, the very top end of 10. And then, uh, you know, I have a Fender. I just got a Fender um, 500 watt bass combo. I think it's the, the Rumble 500 because um, I've had like stacks, you know, 115 and 410s with like mm -hmm. a 1300 watt you know, power amp, SVT4 yeah. Pro, and, you know, but I, 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 we play club gigs where everything's mostly backline, so I just need something. Yeah. I've heard <laughs> amazing things about those rumbles. Like, like, like they're like, you know, so much uh, more versatile. Yeah, like they're, and they're, they're, they're loud enough that if <laughs> I had to do a club gig with it, I could do it. But for the most part, man, my back is loving the fact that everything's backline now. The real, the real magic for me, though, I have a pedal board. You know, that's that's where the sound comes from. No matter where I go, I sound mm -hmm. the same. But uh, small board, uh, obviously, tuner. Um, I had I had this 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 pedal called uh, the Rusty Box that the power the power bits on it stopped working. I have to get it fixed, but it it sounded like a, a '70s trainer bass amp with a boost on it. But oh, okay. Um, it was one of those 24 watt pedals. Or 24 volt pedals and mm -hmm. uh, there's something something janky with the power i gotta take that in but the way I, I built my board was just to get a nice clean full tone so i got the uh the tuner got a boss compressor uh a boss e a boss bass eq i have the boss bass compressor boss bass eq um and i run that into a sans amp a tech 21 sans amp and then mm -hmm. i have a uh a boost you know because when to once you add pedals, um, the signal starts to the signal chain starts to kind of starts to, to lessen and gets gets a little murky. So I was doing research on it, and I was like, you know, yeah. I want to make sure that my signal always has the juice that it needs, and it always sounds like clean, and there's like a fullness mm -hmm. to it. It doesn't sound like I'm I'm running thirty feet of cable, and then like four or so pedals so um i got a buffer pedal i got a, a tc bonafide buffer um which i think it like gives it like a 12 db boost and no matter where okay. i go i sound the same and i love that you know nice nice i mean that's the amazing thing technology has done like just just running with even like yours is a nice clean straightforward setup and then like there's stuff with like you know all these like line six and the helixes and the um was it the latest one that everyone loved and now they're kind of mad at the neural dsb uh oh, yeah. quad cortex and all these things like you know all these things that are just you know i i was actually looking at the um not that i have a reason to but like the the boss like the gt 1000 for base oh, yeah. the base version because even though i'm you know, I think most people primarily know me as playing guitar. I started as bass. I can still, con I still consider myself a bass player. Like in my head, that's just where I'm at. And I had to stifle when you mentioned your first bass being an Ibanez and your combo amp being a T, uh, PVT and T115. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure you know where this is going. Mm -hmm. That was my first amp. And my first, uh, well, my first, uh, my first bass that I ever had was a Lion 
SG base that didn't work that my neighbor yeah. across the street gave to me that I eventually threw out years later because it didn't work. Now I kick myself now because I'm like, it probably just needed a fucking input jack or something. But in that, at that time, you're like, it doesn't work. I don't know. It's going to cost hundreds of dollars, you know? And then, um, but after that, like once my parents saw I was serious plunking away at this base, this electric base that was not plugged in and didn't work, you know, they went and bought me a Squire yeah. PJ base or whatever. That's awesome. That was my first base. I had that for a couple of years. And then once I got a job, I, my first real big boy base was an Ibanez Ergodyne oh, EDB 600. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about. What's that? And that was, I think most people know it uh, in in my generation, people I speak to, as, as the one that yep. the guy from Orgy played. Like, duh, I have the four string version. But really, it, it, I was, I've been crazy, stupid, lucky with instruments. Um, because I knew next to nothing about buying a bass. I just, I wanted one yeah. with the two by two headstock because Jason Newstead had two by two headstock basses this is before he was fully into the Sadowski Fender stuff. Um, and I saw this bass. It was, it's like a, it was like a shiny matte gray. It was, uh, you know, it had a, what was it? The pickups were active and it was loud or whatever. And it felt great to play. I'm like, okay, cool. And I, I didn't know anything about it. And I absolutely love this bass. It's one of my favorite instruments I've had. It's seen better days. I think I'm going to have to buy yeah. a replacement one to, to like replace the board that's in the inputs in, that's in the, this one, because Ibanez has been kind of sketch. I've been trying to contact them about getting a new uh, control board for the electronics, but yeah. they've been kind of like weird about it. Same. Anyway, but you know that that was and then my first base was amp was at and 115 i remember very distinctly going to a used music shop playing it i'm like this is big it's loud cool and i was i think i paid 200 yeah, bucks I paid for it 64 mine and yeah it was so heavy and and the funny thing was i went to go pick it up and they're like hey we were testing it before you let and it's not working so i'm like oh and I had been paying this thing off like yeah. on, <laughs> uh, you know, 15, 20 bucks here or whatever. And he's like, um, and I'd been in that shop a few times or whatever. And the guy kind of knew me and he's like, just, just, just take that one. And he, yeah. pointed, he gave me a new one, which was like twice as much or whatever. And I'm like, okay. And, but it didn't have <laughs> casters. Mine did not have casters on until I put them on in probably far too long <laughs> away because I, for some reason, I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose all the bass if I put casters on because it's going to be above. It's not going to be on the floor, yeah. which like, you're yeah, fucking yeah, idiot. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was young. Oh, dumb, my God. My back, back, I, I, back when um, your backs can handle it. <laughs> to be young again. Jesus Yeah, Christ. you know. <laughs> and I still have that amp. It's sitting in my yeah. garage right now. And I've been tempted to, I've been tempted to bring it out and uh, practice my uh, anesthesia pulling teeth uh chops whenever my neighbors are getting annoying during the summer but uh it's just yeah so you're telling me you're seeing all these things i'm like oh god yeah and then you mentioned the geezer pickups and i'm like i have a set of those oh, it's, one of my a, it's a fantastic <laughs> fantastic set of pickups man i was yeah. pleased as punch yeah i yeah it's um was it a few years after the ibanez i had a um i got a fender american-made P bass plus. They call this one the boner bass. 
because the upper horn mm -hmm. is a little bit longer. They only made it for like two or three years in like the early 90s. And it had like fender lace sensor pickups in it. And you could like switch the phase with a yeah. switch, a button. And on paper, amazing bass. But yeah. I never really gelled with it. This was one of those bases, you know, you know how it is with instruments. It's like, it could be like, yeah, subjective, uh, objectively subjective, whatever. It's fine, but I just can't connect with it. So it's just kind of been sitting around forever. And then I finally just swapped out the pickups for the geezer ones. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're working yeah. now. <laughs> this, this is, this is, um, but funnily enough, my main bass right now is a Harley Benton Music Man ripoff. Really? <laughs> yes, uh, it is like one of the best like it probably just because it's fun it's uh one of those humbucker style uh ernie ball pickups in there uh or knockoff or whatever but it is easily like one of the best sounding basses i've ever played i i also have a fender mexican five string that my wife got me uh quite a few years ago that i love and i actually put in the quarter pounder pickups on those and those oh, are love, really really quarter good pounder pickups yeah Sorry, i'm kind of a huge fan of those and then uh, I have uh, an acoustic Washburn bass that a back when uh, I was in a in a choir, one of the choir members who was also a guitar player had it sitting in a storage facility for twenty years with the tag still on it. And she's like, you know, Don, I bought this thinking I would learn how to you know start playing bass and stuff, but it's literally sat in this storage facility for twenty years. Take it. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. She's like, you just got to play bass. You just got to switch from guitar to bass for us for a little while. I'm like. So, like if i must me. <laughs> if i must yes and you know though i i i i'm not uh a church going right. person anymore it is uh you know still a fantastic instrument fantastic bass and um but yeah like my whole guitar collection kind of exploded over the pandemic but i will always preface this with yeah. they're cheap guitars <laughs> these are because budget guitars are so stupidly cheap and awesome these days it is insane the quality you get for the for like 200 it's, bucks it's funny because uh things. when i got my fee base back in 1999 i was paid 279 dollars for it and i yeah. have since because i was like oh i can't afford to get like a thousand dollar guitar but then i have since put enough work into it that i've spent like a thousand dollars like i my my Mustang base, yeah. I got it for I got it off a of Facebook Marketplace for seven hundred bucks, and the guy gave me the case with it, everything. But then like put the new pickups in, and I put like you know the other work I had to put into it. I'm like, and I just essentially you end up spending a thousand dollars if you buy a base. Like you may not spend it now, yeah. but you're gonna spend it eventually. And uh, you know I'm not I'm not super precious about like you know when I buy a base or something. I I do I do this. I go I look down the next next straight cool. How the fret, how does the the neck feel? Neck mm -hmm. feels good. Okay, done. Because if a dude's a guitar yeah. shop, I'm like, well, don't you want to like do all this stuff? And I was like, I'll be honest with you, these pickups ain't gonna live here once I get it out the door. So uh, it doesn't <laughs> yeah, really matter, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, know, I, I realized that quickly about myself. Like, I like modding things yeah. and changing things. So, like, once once these guitars. You know the base of the guitar is like really good quality, and I, and I can just like change the pickups and change the, the the tuners and change the bridge as I go. Like, yeah, that 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 tickles the bright parts of my brain, 
for me for me to do that. Like I'm right now, I got this um a band called a uh, brand called Firefly, uh, and I've always wanted yeah. an SG style guitar, and they had like a gold they had like a gold metallic one. So I've been I I was eyeing up that guitar. It was like two hundred less than two hundred bucks. I was eyeing it up for months, and my wife su- decided to surprise me oh, cool. for my birthday last fall. She's like, "Oh, I think you got a package out front." I go, "It's a guitar shaped package," and I'm like, "I immediately knew what she did." I'm like, "Oh." You know, stinker. Yo, thank you. I open it up. Oh, neck no. broken, snapped off, and shipping. And they yeah. immediately sent out a new one, a dip, but it wasn't the gold metallic yeah. one, and I was so disappointed. Long story short, I was able to fix the gold metallic one. I was able to glue it back together, and it works great now. So now I got two guitars. <laughs> so one. <laughs> but then I got this SG. It was like a, a, a kind of like a charcoal yeah. sunburst type of guitar. And I didn't want this guitar, but I am vibing with this guitar so much. Like the neck is thicker than I'm usually, you know, I care for in a guitar. Um, it's, you know, a good solid eight pounds, which is fine. I don't mind a heavier guitar. But like just for some reason, like this, the guitar I didn't want is like the one I'm really like jiving with. And I, I have these sets. I have this these pickups that I've been dying to put in there. But the other part of me is also like, oh, I should make a video about putting the, the pickups in there. So I still yeah. have time to do all that. <laughs> so they're just sitting there right next to my desk taunting me um, because I got like a uh, they're from a band, brand called Guitar Fetish, which is a really weird name. But they're like, yeah. it's a really decent brand of like budget styles. And these are like P90-ish humbuckers. I love P90. So I'm like... I. So, you know, and I have an Epiphone Les Paul that I have P90s in and I love it, but they're also noisy as shit. And I wanted something for like the doomier metal kind of stuff. Yeah. I put a ton of fuzz on it and, and, you know, the less noise you can get out of it, the better. So I'm like, I can't wait to do that to this guitar. And I'm just like, I have to wait. I have to wait. So hearing you like to mod stuff and all that too, I'm like, yeah, like John understands. Like, you, you know, you also understand the, the putting in so much more money and which it was my favorite thing to read in comments on YouTube channels about people who buy we're talking about budget guitars. I was like, why didn't you just buy the Gibson blah 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 for a thousand five hundred or whatever? It's like because it's a thousand five hundred yeah. and I don't have it. Ultimately, by the time I spend a grand, it's gonna sound exactly the way I want it to sound. So you know. Exactly, uh, gotta, exactly. Real quick, I gotta wrap well, up soon. Yeah. Um oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, see, I got we're gonna have to continue this gear talk later. Uh we'll have to have you back on and we'll just just get real nerdy about the gear, but uh let, let, let's wrap it up john thank uh, you so much for coming on uh, obviously obviously i've had a blast talking to you i can't wait to uh we do it again um now is the time let everybody know where they can find you online i'll make sure there are all the links uh in the show notes description below and so the other place i actually really post on the internet is instagram you can find me at john mcguire rpg if you want to follow me other places on the internet it's always at john mcguire rpg I just don't post that much. Um, if you want to check out 321 Action, check out 321actiongames.com. There are links to everything you need and everywhere we are. And, dude, thank you so much for having me. I had an absolute – I mean, we've been chatting now for about a couple hours, and it doesn't even feel like that. So it's like I'm talking to an old friend. So thank you so much for having me on the show tonight. I, I appreciate that comment. It's, I take it as a huge compliment. And, yeah, definitely well, I'll have to have you back on. Um, maybe we'll do a live stream or something i don't know we'll figure it out but i uh, you're you're definitely coming back and yeah it'll be more there will be more gear talk (laughs) all right uh thank you again